In this week's episode, my brother Dave is back and we are doing the Fab 15 Songs by the Who. That's the whole episode. Hope you dig it. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Checkmates, it's your old Uncle Derek coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. As always, hope you're doing well. I'm doing okay over here. I am joined by my brother Dave, who is in the room. Hi. There he is. I'm in the room. Told you. And uh, we are going to do a Fab 15 episode this week. It's been a little bit. The last time we did a Fab 15 episode was the Fab 5th Queen episode in uh, memory of Her Royal Highness the Queen, which, that seems a little weird in hindsight. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good excuse, you know, to do the Queen thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. I I had a lot of fun doing it and went on a massive Queen kick for a while. (laughs) But yeah, that's the last time we did this, was a Queen episode, so it's been a little bit. It's been a few months. I don't know how we let it get away from us this much. Man, stuff got busy, man. I know, just life. Yeah, it it happens. I've barely done the show. I've got a couple episodes out there, but it's uh, it's just been busy, as as anybody who's been waiting for an episode knows, because I keep saying it in places. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was the last time we were together, so we'll get back into the swing of things with, uh, with an episode. We're doing the Fab 15, uh, Songs by the Who. Fab 15, Who's a Fab Who? It's not gonna work. Just nope, nothing there. Uh, we're doing the Fab 15 Who songs this week. Uh, before we get into that, I should do a little bit of business, say the stuff up top that I'm supposed to say. Uh, if you like the show, there's a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. It's available on all of the apps that you could ask for it to be available on, including the one that you're listening to it on now. If you want to know more about me, go over to derekbrink.com. There's lots of stuff to click on there. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's all available for free at derekbrink.bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and you can take it. I won't collect your email address. I would just love it if you loved it. And if you want to email the show, email db, my initials, db at derekbrink.com. I reply to everybody who isn't mean to me in their email. So yeah, we're going to get back into the swing of the Fab 15 here. For those who may be new to the show, the concept of the Fab 15 is that uh, we sit, we both go and make a, we choose a topic, and we both go and make a list of the our 15 favorite things regarding that topic, and we don't see each other's lists in advance, we get together and we talk about it and record it, and it's the Fab 15. Uh, did I more or less get that right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. I'm glad. It's I, it's hard to remember sometimes what happens week to week. Well, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's roughly the concept. It's something Dave came up with and I liked, so we, we uh, do it from time to time. And Fab, of course, is a uh, fabric softener from the 1980s that uh, we... Correct, named... but that's not what we're doing. Oh. Fab is short for fabtastic. No, not fabtastic. fabtastic. What is it? Fabulous. Fabulous, Okay. <laughs> Uh, I prefer Fabtastic. Fabtastic <laughs> is good. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a modern version of the word of the '60s slang, is what yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, it's copyright that. Put it on a T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, Not uh, sure we can copyright that, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's a trademark, maybe. No, maybe we put it on a T-shirt anyway. Yeah, let's let's just. Who cares? No one's gonna sue us for that, probably. 
There's, I don't think there's a famous Fabtastic out there. Uh, and we're the closest there is to a famous Fab 15 out there. So there you go. That's facts. Yeah. We are both, I think it's fair to say, gigantic Who fans. True. Uh, in line with Irish Jack, the world's foremost Who fan, I'm very comfortable saying they're the only, only band that ever mattered. And uh, Dave, I think you feel likewise. Yeah. We both go back a long, long way with the Who. Uh, I it's as does our dad. Our dad is probably responsible for. Both he's the reason yeah. why we go that far back. Yeah, it's like I considered calling him and getting him on the show. In fact, which might have been fun, but uh, I we these go long anyway. I say these go long <laughs> as it is. We don't need we don't need him in here. Yeah, we don't need another fifteen. No offense, but yeah, yeah, we don't need another fifteen. If anything, yeah, we need a moderator. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's not a bad idea actually. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So dad did think about you. Didn't call you. <laughs> that's how it goes. What's well, the thought that counts? Is it? <laughs> this time, this festive time of year. Yes. Okay, good. Well, then we're doing okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm sure Dad will come up in the conversation a couple of times as this goes on, probably. Uh, there is a good chance that our two lists are the exact same 15 songs, just in different orders. Um, <laughs> probably not. Probably There's not. Yeah. a chance for several repeats. Yeah. Um, it depends on how you approached your list. You know, did you approach it as, you know, just my personal favorites? Did you approach it as mostly hits and a few favorites? Did you approach it as, here's a nice intro to The Who for people that only know a few songs? You know, it depends on which way you went. Cause, Columns A, B, and C. Yeah, because for <laughs> every... <laughs> here's the thing about The Who. Everybody knows who The Who are. That's, yeah. That was fun to say. Yeah. Um, and everybody knows a few songs. Most people don't know that they know as many songs as they do. Right, they're one of those bands. By The Who. Yeah. Uh, but for every hit or FM radio classic, whatever you want to call it, there are three more album tracks that are just as good and could have been yep. that song yep. for the most part. So um, it's, it, it's very difficult to figure out how to approach it. And, I mean, I just went through probably... 30 some odd songs trying to figure out what I wanted to do and didn't want to do. And, uh, you know, the list changed a few times and I may have just made a horrible mistake now that I'm looking at it, but it's too late now. It's written down. Okay. I uh, also <laughs> had roughly 30 songs, I think, which I, I mean, the way I did it is I just sat down and what are the songs that come to mind first? And then I yeah. scrolled through my phone and okay, here are the songs that didn't come to mind first. And that was 30 to 40 songs, probably. Oh, yeah. And that, that's that gone to include some hits, because we're not excluding anything on this. And, you know. No. Uh, and I don't like to exclude. And I think, you know, yeah. a lot, there are a lot of people that make the list, and they only have one or two hits, because they want to be, you know, want to show how big of fans they are and how cool they are. But the hits are hits for a reason. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't be, I mean, we're music snobs to a degree, but sure. you can't be that big a snob that you go, well, you know, these hits don't count, or this song that everybody knows and loves i'm tired of it and yeah you may be tired of it mm -hmm. but it's still very important to the band's discography and to the myth making or whatever you want to call it um that makes band what it is so mystique you can't yeah okay myth making mystique <laughs> same thing yeah um so yeah you can't really <laughs> ignore the hits you don't have to put them all on there uh, right and sometimes you kind of toy with should this one be on there should it be this other one which you know so right but that's what the thing is it 15 is hard yeah i often and that's why i picked it because 20 gives you a little more room that's it's not necessarily easy but it's easier yeah you know 10 you go well five hits and five 
fan favorites and you're done. Yeah. You know, five is pre- is actually kind of easy in a way, but 15 is a weird number. Yeah. It's difficult to do. And sometimes I wish I had picked it, but yeah, <laughs> we're, we're stuck. It's, it, there's an alliteration. We're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Five, 15 sounds good. I like it. It's yeah, just, I do too. When I'm making the list, it's like, ah, crap. Yeah. 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 Same. So, and in this, um, list too, with the who specifically, I tried to kind of show, all sides, and by that I don't mean all band members necessarily. I mean I tried to show uh, some of the poppy earlier stuff and some of the um, you know FM hits, some of the more um, I don't want to say progressive because that's not the right word, uh, but some of the more experimental towns and stuff. Yeah. I tried to do uh, show off their sense of humor in a song or two. Okay, because uh, there's all of that in the Who when you start. Deep diving into the who, there's just multi layered and yeah. you know who knows. So yeah, um, I didn't approach so it. Quite I, so that... I don't I don't know if it's a great list or a bad <laughs> list or what it is, but I didn't approach it quite that analytically. I just went, okay, what belongs on my list? That's yeah. that's, that's the only question I. That's ask. fine, you know. So, and I mean, I'm this I don't think there's going to be any huge surprises on this list. No, maybe, I don't think so. Maybe one or two. But... Yeah, there's a couple that uh, are not going to be on anyone's list but mine probably well but... there's a couple of things i hope you put on your list because i didn't okay well I, we'll see what happens when i was editing it down all right well we've done all the all the four talk i the guess preamble uh, yeah i mean unless we want to start talking about the concerts we've seen or like i guess first time we both saw him was in 89 probably yeah yeah I, that, that might have been the first time dad saw him for all i know um, uh, i think so i think he said he was supposed to go but he was still in the army, I think. Yeah, I thought I think he was gonna go like they did a kite one of the kite flies. We used to have Oh yeah, yeah. Keishi was a I is forgot a, we did that, yeah. Uh station it's kind of famous, semi famous. It's a station in St. Louis. It's a rock station, it's been around forever. It's the longest running FM rock station in yeah. America. And we used to have uh in Forest Park here downtown used to have kite flies. And they'd have bands come in and play it and the kite flies. And they had uh also what was called the Mississippi River Fest. I don't know if that's the same thing. But the Who uh-huh. played one of those two. And this is in the 70s before I was born or yeah. when I was a little kid anyway. Um, and the Who played one of those two things. Can't remember which one it was. But uh, I want to say that he said he, he either he wanted to go where he was supposed to go. I don't remember. I think maybe he couldn't go for whatever reason. But mm. no, he wanted to. But yeah, so we've seen him several times since then, since they yeah. reunited and have been going out in different forms. But yeah, yeah seen him several times. So. Yeah, and it's always, always been a good time. Uh, whether Townsend's angry or happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which you're running equal risk of either. So, you know. Sometimes he's both. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of fascinating. In the same show. Yeah. Uh, we can we could get into all that, but really, why? I, I guess the thing that... I'm the one that su- suggested this topic, and the reason that I suggested it is we recently saw The Who again. Sure. At, uh, what, the start of October? Was that? Mm, start or mid-October. Somewhere yeah, in October. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere. it was in October anyway. And, uh, you know, just kind of felt like, oh, it's weird that we haven't done a Who episode yet. So we're, you know, doing yeah. this. And, uh, yeah, after that, after seeing that show, which they did with uh, an orchestra, much of which was made up by the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, uh, they, you know, after that, I just I, I just did a Who deep dive and I reread the books and all that. So I actually haven't finished my second Rita Daltrey's book yet, but uh, that's where we are. We've got all the stuff all the preamble out of the way, let's get into the list. We've got uh, 15. We're starting at number 15 on each of our individual lists, working yep. up to number one, and at the end, we'll combine into sort of a master list. We usually choose a number one, but we don't put the final 15 in any particular order other than a number one. Right. Uh, so that's that's kind of what you're looking uh, to hear 
over the next however long this takes. Which, uh, given the subject, could be five hours or could, could be 45 minutes. Could be a two-parter. Yeah, who knows? We'll find out. Uh, so we're going to start with with each of our number 15. Uh, let's say them both at the same time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. No, uh, Dave, would you like to start with your number 15? Sure. Uh, for my number 15, I picked a uh, Who fan classic, if not a classic for everybody, was kind of the start of the... Um, period where Townsend began writing longer pieces. It is the one and only A Quick One While she's, while He's Away is the name of it. Uh, so, hey, you want to hear something interesting? What's that? My number 15 is A Quick One. Nice! <laughs> we, have a, we have an exact we match. We already have an exact match. Well, this, this is going good. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about it. Let's. Alright, so uh, Quick One is the first, I guess you'd call it a mini opera, if Tommy, yeah. if Tommy is the rock opera, then a quick one is a mini opera. Yeah, it was viewed as the first rock opera at the time. Yeah, so it's an interesting piece, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it great? Probably not, but there's enough uh, going on. Big to differ. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's very good. That wouldn't be on my list. But there's a lot of different parts going on, and it's very much a band finding its way yeah. out of being a pop band into being an art band. Yeah. Um, and still a rock band, but it's still got a lot of pop to it, a lot of different... Well, there's, what, five, six different sections to it, I think? At least four. Uh, uh, I want to say five, but I... That, you might be right on I know, I would. I'd have to, I didn't look that It's been up. a while since I've analyzed it. Yeah, um, you know, there's one that's kind of a rollicking, soothing country vibe, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. there's a hard rock thing, and there's all the stuff... Uh, but there's a, it's a, it, the subject matter is, uh, is just what it says. A, a woman who, whose husband is out uh, at sea. And, Presumably at war. Or at just, war or mm. something. I don't, I don't really, I never really got that far. Well, enough, given Pete, it's probably at war. <laughs> probably. Um, but she has a uh, dalliance while he is away and then has to uh, confess. So it's not necessarily, you know, big amazing topic here right but uh even though it's a little bit of a uh, topic that's a little bit um not necessarily scandalous but it's mm. kind of a dirty topic it's there's a little bit of an innocence to it a lot of an innocence to it yeah which is kind of an interesting uh, way to go about it interesting uh, yin and yang to the whole thing so uh that's what i like about it it's fun my favorite part about it is the cello part they yeah couldn't afford cello so they just Saying the word cello yep. where the cellos would have been. That's my yep. favorite thing about the whole deal. <laughs> I, I love um, that. But my favorite part is fun. the dangs. Dang is good too. <laughs> just... Just, uh, there's a chord, there's a key change which they achieve by just repeatedly saying dang, 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 just walking down the scale and back into the note where it's changing to. I, I don't know what the thought process was there. <laughs> well, I think. Um, I think in the story, that is where she realizes what she's done, and she feels remorse for what she's done, and says, dang. Okay. <laughs> says, dang, why? That's all I can think of. I'll buy that. <laughs> uh, I actually, I, I thought this, I mean, I everything that you said, I agree with, and that's very much, the, I mean, the reason I like the song, too. I wrote down in the margin that this is an oddball choice, and <laughs> we both had you the know, same oddball choice at number 15. I think over the years, it's become less and less oddball and more considered to be one of the great who songs yeah um, it was I included uh i mean it was in the stones rock and roll circus 
Yeah, and, and that was included in there, the Kids yeah. Are All Right yeah. movie. Yeah. And, uh, and they I did know... it on the, what, 2018, 2019 tour? Whatever that was? They were doing it in some towns. 15, I want to say. 15, okay, earlier than that. Um, oh, whatever. But, yeah, and they didn't do it very often. They did just a, did just a handful of times. Yeah, but they did it. But they did it, yeah. <laughs> and um, I've seen people cover bits and pieces of it. There was a yeah. local band that, I can't remember who, I want to say it was Smash Club, but I can't remember mm-hmm. who it was, um, that would... Just the the finale yeah. covered that at the end of the of their set sometimes. So that uh, actually cool. different different passages of the song show up in a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, uh, I almost said the one with Bill Murray in it. That doesn't help. <laughs> um, it, I don't remember which one. It, it might be Rushmore, it, like one of the Wes Anderson movies. Okay, the one that I haven't seen heavily. then. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, it's kind of a bizarre listen, especially if you don't know. Much about the Who, it's kind of like, what is happening? Yeah. But, you know, remembers the mid-60s, and yeah. everybody's experimenting with everything. So, yeah. um, you know, if you don't know it, you know, check it out and see what you think, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the story of that is they had something like 16 minutes to fill, and they asked Pete to fill it, and he wrote a story. You know, that's yeah. kind of what happened. And, uh, and then set it all in motion for later. Yeah, yeah, that they didn't know what they unleashed. So yeah, at number fifteen on both of our lists, a quick one while he's away. Uh, that that already caught me off guard. <laughs> this is gonna be an, an interesting evening. Uh, I have nothing else to add to it. Nothing else to add. You, okay. you kind of said everything about it. So uh, what's your number fourteen? My number fourteen is I can see for miles. Okay, not on my list. No. Oh. I was hoping yeah. it would be on yours. I <laughs> see there. That's gonna happen a lot. Yeah. Oh good, I was hoping because that wasn't on mine. Yeah, uh, I can see for miles. Uh, one of the early pop songs, Who pop songs, um, one of the best ones, something that will definitely get in your head. Yeah. Uh, has a fantastic guitar solo that is one note. I love that. <laughs> which is great. Um, when, and pretty much people have heard it or it's it's in the back of your head somewhere if you've been yeah. listening to classic rock radio ever. Yeah. Um, it's out there. Uh, really not uh, really big hit in the US, not so much in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done that on and off throughout their career too just a really good example of townsend songwriting so early yeah. early songwriting yeah it's a great song I, I i i love that single note guitar solo that's i mean that feels like something that started as a filler that he meant to replace and then didn't you know like it feels yeah. like that well, kind of thing and it's a pop song with the power chords in it with the bam bam yeah. that yeah, whole yeah. you know that very who thing so yeah yeah, yeah those very big cool. those big townsend chords mm-hmm uh yeah that he stole from dave davis uh right <laughs> but yeah i can see for, uh, for miles is a great song probably one of the first two songs i fell in love with as a kid because mm-hmm. i just thought it wasn't interesting you know i can see for miles and miles like what does that mean you know and then you read the lyrics as a grown-up and you go, oh that's what that means <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's fine but like as a kid that captured my imagination you sure know? Uh, it it seemed like sci-fi in a who song but it was not it's that not come on who's next really but uh, <laughs> but uh, and it's kind of mean in there too. It's got a lot yeah, of anger in it yeah, too yeah. for being such a fun song to sing along with. Yeah, of, yeah, I don't want to say mean, but it's got anger in it. Yeah, yeah. No, there's some aggression in there. But as does most who does actually. Yeah, I was gonna say as does so much of what Townsend did. But uh, my number fourteen is another oddball choice for me. I kind of put the oddballs at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a newer song, uh, and by newer I mean it's at least ten to fifteen years old now. But it's a Fair. newer song. And uh, it's, uh, I think, one of the better examples of the Endless Wire album. My number 14 is Tea and Theater. 
Okay. Which I'm assuming is not on her list. No, it is not. Uh, it's a song that is... Uh, the Endless Wire record has a little bit of a concept to it of that I'm not going to get into that ties back to a thing Townsend has done for years called Lifehouse. And it's, it's really just kind of... By the time we're at tea in theater, it's a guy in his, shall we say, autumn years... Uh, looking back on, uh, look at all the stuff we did together. Look at all the all the times that right. we shared together. It's I, I I don't think he has put it this way. I don't know that he would put it this way. But it's in a lot of ways, it seems like Pete's love letter to Roger. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the longest time, for several years, they were ending their sets with that song. They would just end with tea and theater, with Roger holding a glass of tea on stage or whatever was his poison. But you're, you're supposed to assume that probably it's tea actually was tea. It probably was tea. Uh, Roger takes good care of his voice on tour. That's how he can do all those screams. Um, but yeah, so it was, and it's very acousticy and very kind of you know light and sentimental sounding. And I thought it was a perfect end for a Who set at this stage in their career, which they're not doing any, anymore. But uh, <laughs> it uh, uh, one of the really lovely tracks off that album, which I often think, oh, they wrote that album exclusively for me. I seem to be the one that liked it. It is quite divisive among Who yeah. fans. Some fans really like it. Some really don't. I am kind of in the middle. Yeah. Because I hear what it could have been, but I also like a lot of what it is. Yeah. I do maintain, though, that if they'd have just taken the Wire and Glass mini opera, yeah. other mini opera, and yeah. expanded it into one full... CD, which I know Roger Roger didn't want to do, but if they'd have made that the full thing, it would have been better reviewed. It Mm -hmm. would have been embraced by the entire fandom. Yeah. And uh, then they could have put out whatever they wanted to after that. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, and you're right. So I um, I agree on all points. And I like Tea in Theater as an ending to that piece. Sure. Not as a song, and I don't really listen to it much on its own Mm. as a song, but I do like it as an ending to the piece. I will give you that. Okay. Yeah, it hits my playlist every time, and I I really like it. Sure. uh, Yeah, I just, I I love that album. I love that song. My number 14 is uh, uh, Tea in Theater. So we are now on your number 13. Okay. My number 13 is... Um, kind of an oddball pick, but I wanted something that would give the uh, the humor, I guess, okay. of The Who. And not written by Pete, but a uh, song that is quite silly, but everybody kind of loves it. Boris the Spider. You're kidding me. Nope. Okay. It, 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 nowhere near my list. Okay. Uh, please continue. Okay. So I put it on, again, for those reasons, but... Um, the heaviness of the riff that's in it, I think, okay. was influential to a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of uh, punk bands and uh, garage rock bands love early Who. Sure. And I think it was influential that way. And I think, uh, and uh, just John's vocals on it, I had to put John here somewhere, but <laughs> yeah, his vocals point. on it are uh, interesting. Like I say, it's a silly little song but i mean it makes the compilations almost every compilation has added on it when you think no, about that's it that's a good point um it's it people know it people like it um you know it's one that uh kids can listen to and they go oh that's kind of creepy but it's kind of funny too yeah. um the silly creepy crawly thing uh yeah. vocal pete does like i say it's a silly song yeah but it's a fun song it's part of their humor um and it's fun to listen to it, and it's very heavy for its time. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah. I kind of like it in that 
in that way. And I just, I just you know, tried to, like I say, I tried to do a, a list with had a lot of different stuff on it. Yeah. And that one sticks in the brain. That's interesting. I think I liked it more when I was a kid. Oh, sure. Uh, I, well, and I've just got a thing about spiders. I, no, thank you. You know. Uh, yeah, but he kills Boris. Spoiler. Sure. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a song about killing a spider. What's not to love? <laughs> well, you, you know, you got a point. Uh, well, and I, I do like John being represented. That is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, only bass player that ever mattered, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so it is nice to see him on the list. I don't have a lot of love for that song at this point in my life, but I, I, I did love it when I was when I was a kid. Yeah, and I loved this sort of big ending Townsend would do where he would like, there he is! There he is on the stage! And go over and jump up and down and pretend to kill a spider. Right. Uh, like, that was always fun. I thought that was fun and funny and stuff when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Boris the Spider is your number 13. Yep. That's, uh, that, again, not a song that was anywhere on my radar for the list, but it's kind of fun to talk about now, sure. that, now that we're talking about it. Uh, my number 13, uh, I want to recognize John too, but I want to recognize him in a different way, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of John's better bass parts, I think. Not the song that you're thinking of already, but one of John's better bass parts, a song that I don't think gets a lot of do. It showed up on a uh, on a UK compilation in the early 2000s, and that might have been the first time where I went, wow, that's a great song. And the song I'm talking about is Another Tricky Day. Is that's my number 13. on my list, but it's uh, higher. Okay. Uh, yeah, Another Tricky Day, just one of John's great bass parts, just a very flowing, very fluid feel, and just a really cool groove to that song, and a nice little breakdown in the middle. Uh, I mean, lyrically, it's not, there's not a lot to talk about, uh, unless you have more to talk about on the lyrics, uh, but it's just one of those really cool sort of groove vibes that The Who doesn't get credited for enough. The Who gets a lot of credit for the anarchic, you know, start of punk rock almost. Uh, the very bombastic, big, you know, thing and the huge chords and things like that. They don't get enough due for their groove. And Another Tricky Day has a great groove to it, and a lot of that's because of John Entwistle. And that's uh, that's the way I'm recognizing John on my list, is I've got a few of his really good bass parts in here. Sure. And, you know, and that's, that's one of my favorites, and I love that song. I, I was very happy to hear them do it when we saw them last, because I don't think yeah. I heard it before. Yeah, well, I put Boris on to honor him as a writer, because mm-hmm. there's not too many other songs he wrote that right. would, like, would hit my list. But back to uh, Another Tricky Day... I think you're right about the groove part of it. My chair is making noises over here. Sorry. Yeah, sorry everybody. Um, so uh, uh, apart from the groove, it's you know it's an '80s post Keith Moon song. Yeah. Um, it's got like you say a groove to it. I like the lyrics. Like you say, nothing necessarily groundbreaking, but I like the lyrics a lot. I like the vocal interplay between Roger and Pete in it. Yeah. Uh, with the back Pete doing the background and uh, Roger. Uh, basically answering it and talking talking to it almost. Yeah, I always like that as a gimmick. I would venture to say, and this is probably going to have a lot of people disagree with me, I would venture to say the best of the singles from the 80s. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I mean, you've got another three or four songs that are in contention there that sure. were singles from uh, both Face Dances and It's Hard. But, yeah. Um, I mean, someone's screaming at Eminence Front at you right now. Right. <laughs> uh, mm, oh, sure. Or You Better, You Better, or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, Athena. Yeah, but, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, but I always thought that was a really good song. It was one of those... Uh, 
And the time that it came out, too, it's very representative of the uh, early when rock was kind of turning into new wave and that yeah. was all kind of getting mixed up together uh, before things went all goofy later on. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's a very... Uh, very 80s song, very, as, as the sound is very 80s, so it's a very specific sound. It's very dry. Sure. Um, but it's just a really cool song and uh, one of my all-time favorite two songs. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we both had it on our list, just in different spots. Yeah, me too. That's that's, that's a good one that I, 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 I sort of imagine if we had any other person in here doing this list, that wouldn't have been on their list. But I think it, it just hit both of us. That, yeah, maybe. You know, yeah. who knows? That's uh, the thing about the Who. Nobody knows. What, why why other people like them? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, that said, we are now on... Uh, wait, are we, we're on your number 12? or Yes, we're on your number 12. Okay. Uh, my number 12, this probably most people would put higher, but I put it uh, here because I had more stuff I wanted to get to. Uh, but Pinball Wizard. Okay. That is on my list, and it is higher. Sure. Um, and you know, there's not a whole lot you need to say about this song. It's one of them that everybody knows, which is probably why it's so low. Because everybody in the world knows it, and I wanted to put more stuff later. Sure. Uh, or earlier, however you look at it. But, you know, opening riff, great opening riff. Uh, song everybody knows, everybody knows the words to. Yep. Um, if you don't know the Tommy story, you don't really know what it's about. But If you do um, know the Tommy story, it's still kind of... <laughs> well, it's part, it, it all ties in um, sure. as part of his fame and whatnot. Anyway, um, you know, last minute addition to that yeah. record was... Uh, just Pete wrote it for one rock journalist who would give him a, a good review, and he was his was the review and one, so it wrote a song for it. Yep, stuck it in there, becomes a big hit. And maybe their biggest hit, possibly. <laughs> well, one of them anyway. Yeah. And the the thing about Tommy as a whole is that there's only one or two, maybe three songs you can pick out that really stand well outside of the piece. Yeah. Tommy's one of those things where as a piece, it's one of my favorite things ever written. But yeah, you know, I was looking for in looking through the list, going individual songs, going, well, no, not really. No. <laughs> eh. eh. <laughs> um whereas with the other big and we'll talk about it later, I'm sure, but the other big concept album, Quadrophenia, mm -hmm. I think has a lot more songs to stick out on their own. Sure. But maybe don't necessarily but the story is not quite as linear. So right. harder harder story to get into. So that's right. kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, her. Pinball that, Wizard, classic song. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to complain about that one. It's just, I guess, surprising it's not higher. Yeah, yeah. Mine's much higher. Sure. Uh, and I, I, I mean, love that song. Probably one of the first two songs I fell in love with. Uh, certainly covered it in the band I was in, in high mm -hmm. school. Uh, the band Union Jack, Hello Mark and Mike, friends of the show. Uh, yeah, we did a version of Pinball Wizard that Dad used to comment that he thought it was so cool because... Uh, our then also teenage fans would you know kind of hang out at the front of the stage and whatnot for the gigs, and we'd hit the that deaf dumb and blind kid show plays a mean pinball, and I'd step back from the microphone, and the band had stopped playing. We'd let the crowd take the sure plays a mean pinball. Yeah, and uh, Dad, you know, commented that like it's so you know cool to see a bunch of teenagers do that and know what that is and know that that's a Who song and you know like right. that you know made Dad happy. And it made me happy doing it, because it was like, oh, this is a moment in the show where people, you know, react, you know, and uh, that was always a big deal for me as a performer, to the point where uh, a few years ago, I played a gig in a dive bar here in a cover band, and uh, a guy that I hadn't seen since those days, his name's Adam, hi Adam, if you're listening, 
just showed up at the show because we're Facebook friends. We hadn't seen each other in 20 years, probably. And he just walks in, and he's just sitting there, and I'm, you know, playing cover songs in this band. And he's, you know, just like, I, th I think that's Adam. And kind of started to recognize him. And uh, at one point, the guy who was leading the band, I was playing bass, the guy who was leading the band said something like, uh, accepting requests, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, Adam was like, pinball wizard? <laughs> and like, maybe later. <laughs> and so we got it caught up after, you know, after that set, and, you know. Like, that's just one of the things that people remember about me from that time and about the band I was in. And, like, that's a very, a very, very fond memory of mine of that band is playing Pinball Wizard all the time. Uh, just just a great song. And it's it, 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 lyrically and, and as far as theme and whatever, it's a bunch of nonsense. But it's a really fun song and really fun to play. It's one of those iconic riffs that uh, it's always interesting to me when a song has a riff that people applaud for you know yes, like exactly. so often a, a, an artist or a band will start a song and people won't even know what the song is until they hit the lyrics right and then they'll react when right. they hear the first lyric but pinball wizard is one of those songs where it, sometimes they don't get it right on the initial intro the kind of downward part but then right. there's lose their shit and like i i love that and that's that's just one of those iconic yeah, you know, moments in music, and I yeah, that's that's an excellent choice for any list. It's at your number twelve. It's much higher on mine, and we'll mm -hmm. get there. Which it deserves, but sure. Uh, my number twelve is uh, one of my favorite singles from the eighties. You mentioned uh, mm -hmm. already uh, that uh, you better your bet. Yeah, is uh, just a great song. Uh, I actually there's a uh, there's a live version that Pete did solo on an album that uh, I'm blanking on the name of the album now. It's got kind of a green cover. Uh, that, that's that's my favorite version is Townsend's solo version. Uh, but I love the Who version too, obviously. Like I, <laughs> I was drawn into the Townsend version because I already liked the Who version. Uh, just one of my favorite Who songs. And it's just sort of, you know, it's a little bit of, of infidelity. It's a little bit of, uh, you know, conditional love is sort of the idea of it. And, you know, you, yeah. you know it, it, when you say say you love me, well, you better, you know, right. <laughs> it's kind of the vibe of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think that when I first fell in love with the song that I even really got that, you know, that that was even really what attracted me to it. I don't think that I, you know, dug into the lyrics and went, oh, yeah, this is about me. You know, it wasn't one of those. But it was just kind of like, oh, I, I love this song and I love the sort of uh, uh, cheeky Englishness of you better, you better, you bet mm -hmm. as a as a lyric. Just sort of that that yeah. sort of phrasing that that only could have come from an English band, a U.S. band doing that exact same wording. There's that ah, you're trying too hard to be English. You right. Know? <laughs> and I sort of love the Englishness of that song. Well, the I, fact that it calls out T-Rex. Yeah, calls out T-Rex. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That which who. Who calls out T Rex? You know, like right. the Who calls out yeah. T Rex. Uh, yeah, I just I love the sort of Englishness of it in that way, but also just love the sort of the pacing and the timing. And it's a really sort of energetic sounding song, and it just yeah, uh, it's a great song. It's a great single. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, I the Tricky Day just resonates with me better. Sure, from all the from all that period of sure. stuff. But uh, great single, great song. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. It's a was good it, pick. Was it on your list anywhere? No, uh, okay. but you know, like I say, I had to leave a lot of stuff off. So sure, yeah, I mean, it's it's in my it's sure. in my honorable mentions, but that's like a twenty song. Uh, absolutely, I so, don't know how many. Honorable I don't even mentions know if I want to go into it. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, but it was, it was a sad loss, but yes. Yeah, I understand that. Well, in that case, we're on to your number 11. Uh, my number 11's already been talked about. Another tricky day. Okay. So we can just move on to your number 11. Okay, we will do that. My number 11 is... Uh, th- this is another one of those songs that deserves to be a lot higher. It's uh, lower on mine for no reason other than I... Uh, it's another one of those songs I fell in love with as a kid. And just one of the first songs you fall in love with as a kid, and sometimes the stuff you fall in love with as a kid, when you look back on it as an as an adult, it falls a little lower on your list. Sure. And that's the only reason it's down this low. Most people, this probably deserves to be a top five. My number 11 is My Generation. Okay, I'm really glad you did that because I forgot it. <laughs> okay, wow. I noticed <laughs> when I was writing out the final list, when I got here, because I realized I'd had too many on my... I put my list on my phone and uh, accidentally put too many in. So I was adding in and writing it out and I got the list done. We're ready to go. And I was looking over it and I said, oh crap, I forgot my generation. (laughs) And I think the only reason I forgot it is because it's such an obvious one that I just passed it up just in my head. It's just always there. Yeah. But anyway, continue with Uh, your reasons. I I love that I just said this belongs in anybody else's top five. You're like, I forgot it completely. (laughs) (laughs) It does belong in the top. You're right. It does belong there. It just... I don't know what happened. I... That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, Siri? What well, it's, you... <laughs> well it's, it's Samsung, so it's not Siri. It doesn't really have a name. I think it's like Bixby or something. Or Cortana. What, well, what I don't know. I call her Lurleen. Yeah. That's I, call the name. Mine, I call mine Topanga. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, anyway, the phone forgives me. I don't know about <laughs> the, the rest phone. of the world. <laughs> I like that your phone had a thought. <laughs> <laughs> My phone it just goes off sometimes. Like, it's it's always listening, as they do, you know, in which you're in the mode. And, uh, yeah, all right. Every once in a while, it just pops up. Like, okay. That was amazing. <laughs> the best way that could have happened. Yeah, um... So my generation is um, <laughs> really kind of where it began for most most people. That's sort of where the who began in, in most people's lineage or a timeline, I guess. Sure. Uh, like so many people, that was the first who song they ever heard. And, you know, bombastic, loud, you know, crazy. There's bass solos. Who did bass solos in the 1960s? Nobody. 60s, yeah. There's bass solos in there that everybody just assumed was the guitar, probably. Right. Uh, you know... The Who plays the Smothers Brothers. Moon blows up his drum cat. The uh, drum kit, drum cat, uh, blows up his drum kit and deafens Townsend forever in one ear. And yeah, it's that song. And uh, you, uh, my generation is just. It, it, I, you could probably ask anybody, do you know a song by the Who? And if they don't so- say one of the CSI songs, they might yes. say My Generation. You know. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, snotty, full of attitude. You know, young punks, basically, yeah. you know, is what it was. Um, we can argue whether or not the stutter needed to be there, but... Sure. Uh, you know, it's one, just one of those all-time songs, and one of the many compilations, I don't remember which one, uh, whoever was writing the notes said if it was the only song that they ever made, it would still, you know, deserve Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Probably. level, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those songs, um, and... Funny kind of humorous story. I was talking about the Who, and Valerie's my wife was calling out different songs, saying, "Was this on there?" Well, yeah. Is that on there? Uh, no. Is that on there? Yeah. She says, 
She said, what about my, my, my generation? I said, no, that's Sharona. It's a completely <laughs> different, <laughs> different thing. Um, different band and everything. But uh, yeah, so my generation, you know, everybody knows it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this realizing that I forgot it. That's the thing is that there's so many other songs I wanted to put on that I forgot my generation. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. So yeah, that deserves to be on there and I'm kind of an idiot. So there you uh, go. That's okay. Uh, one of those songs that like, you know, for the for the next you know, 50 years, Townsend's had to live down Hope I Die Before I Get Old. Sure. But you know, uh, nevertheless, one of the great Who songs, one of the ones that just represents them. And uh, I mean, that's one that I'll end up having to fight for in the final 15 probably or at least i'll i'll make a case for but sure uh since it wasn't on yours but uh uh what is on yours at number 10 okay well after talking about my generation people are gonna like you put that on and not my generation um so <laughs> number 10 i wanted something to represent all era, er, eras of the who sure so i put on a song from their last release and possibly last time we released, we don't know, but the album simply called Who, I uh, have All This Music Must Fade. Good song. Which is the uh, opening track on the disc. It's uh, I, And I like it because I think not only does it come out of the gate saying, hey, we can still do this, whether we're, there's only two of us or there's four of us or whatever, however, however many we have in the band right now, yeah. we can still do this. We can capture you the way we did. We can play the same songs. Um, it's got that cheeky English thing where they borrow from their own songs in it. Yep. Um, not only does it borrow from the kids are all right in, um, kind of musically, but definitely lyrically. Yeah. It also sets you up in thinking of a new song yeah. a little bit from who are you and music must change from who are you that's mm. in there. So they're rough. It's self-referential and yet it's new and it's fresh yeah and it sets up the album very well an album that i think most who fans who actually bothered to listen to it uh as soon as that song came out it was like it was kind of a sigh of relief it was like oh good and <laughs> just grinning ear to ear um i don't i'm not a fan of the way that album is sequenced but that is the best opener they possibly could have had um it's kind of disappointing that he didn't do more of that stuff when we saw him last but, yeah, uh, you know, but that's a really good one to look for if you're looking for the latest two stuff. I would recommend that being a good place to start. It was one of the pre-released songs. I don't call them singles anymore because they're really not. But right, um, one of the pre-released songs before the record came out. Um, you know, good one. And I thought, you know, we need to acknowledge that they're still doing really good, interesting stuff. So yeah, there you are. It's a great song, and it. Uh, I mean, I I love that album. I love that song uh, for. It, it didn't officially hit the charts in this way. Before a brief moment, it was the number one record. Yeah. Uh, it didn't actually hit the chart that way because of how the chart comes out. Before just a, a heartbeat, my favorite band had the number one record. Right. You know, in my lifetime. And that, you know, that made me happy. Like, I was almost teary-eyed when Townsend posted it. He said, this isn't going to last until morning, but FYI, right now we're number one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, 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 <laughs> my heart. <laughs> I'm, I, I get to be right? I get to be right for once? You know, it was that kind of feeling. Uh, also, one of the things you didn't mention about the songs, about the song, uh, one of my favorite sort of nods in it is he briefly sort of nods to the, the kinks situation 
because uh, you know, I can't expl- explain. It's kind of you really got me, mm-hmm. and everybody's always pointed that out. There's been a kerfuffle about that for years. You know, Ray Davis or Davies, depending on which of the brothers you believe. Yeah, uh, and and Pete have gone back and forth on that a little bit in the press. Uh, there's a verse where uh, the lyric is, "I don't mind other guys ripping off my song. I'd be a liar if I said I'd never done no wrong." So you yeah. kind of like he kind of nods to it, I'm like, "Look, I." got here by ripping off the kinks you know i i know that yeah <laughs> you know well and you know so many people have ripped off and there was a big thing with uh who was it one direction oh yeah, yeah, yeah the uh the chord progression for bob o'reilly and pete saying well it's just the chord projection it didn't take all the little twiddly bits they just took yeah, the yeah, chords yeah. it's three chords what do you want yeah <laughs> you know? yeah so, everybody's played those, three, those yeah three exactly chords. i know and i've heard those three chords in musicals, yeah, I hear it. Uh, my in my house, I have several fan people who are mus- fans of musicals, mm-hmm. and they play them like that's that's those chords again. You know, that's coming back. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, so uh, that's a good point. I didn't um, think about that when we were talking about uh, when I was writing the list. But no, uh, you know, I listened to the record not too long ago, and. Uh, that one kind of stuck out. And there's it's actually not my favorite song on the record, but that struck sure. out as being most representative to me. Yeah, uh, that, that's probably how who. how I would summarize that record too. Yeah, if I had to pick one from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, that's I, I'm a great record. I'm glad to see something from that late into the band's lineage coming on into the list. Uh, so we're at my number ten. Ten. Correct. Yes. My number ten is uh, the sort of ultimate piece of Quadrophenia, uh, "Love Rain or Me." Okay, I have it higher, but... Okay, fair. Yeah, you've always liked that song quite a bit. I, I, like, I, I, yeah. I, when I was a kid, I may have listened to that song for the first time because you liked the song. <laughs> yeah, and like I say, I'm not the biggest fan of Quadrophenia, but the ones, the songs that on it that I like, I absolutely love. Yeah. So, you know, that's how that works. So, yeah, anyway, Qua- continue. Whereas Quadrophenia is my favorite album of all time. Right, exactly. Uh, like, so, hands down, no question. I know every moment of Quadrophenia. Right. And, uh, yeah, I love that. And Love Rain or Me, I mean, there are plenty of songs to talk about from Quadrophenia. And like you said, it's an album that did a very good job of producing songs that can exist beyond the concept of the album. Right. Love Rain or Me is one of those songs. Uh, just, it, it's the last song on the album and the story of the album, what little story there is. Uh, the main character of the album is sitting on a rock beach, sort of on a lonely rock by himself, pondering his life and figuring out where it goes from here, and his scream to to the endless sea is love rain or me. O apostrophe E-R, short for over. Right. Love rain over me. Uh, and R-E-I-G-N. I wanted to put an H right. in there for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever spelled that out loud. Um, yeah, so... It's it's you know the emotional sort of apex of the piece, but even removed from that, it's one of those songs that really rips at your heart when you hear it. And part of that is the screaming voice of Roger Daltrey. Sure. Uh, when we last saw them, there were lots of comments between both of us and between uh, my friend Bruce, who went with us, about how Daltrey's voice is held up and it was still great and still doing all those screams. And he's better than he was a few years ago. Absolutely. Uh, and like, you know, people want to talk about the scream and won't get fooled again, which is one of the all time great rock and roll screams. 
he has some real, real close seconds in Love, Rain, or Me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that night, like, he did the scream and, you know, Won't Get Fooled Again. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was perfect. That was exactly what you want out of that scream. But he was also doing Love, Rain, or Me and nailing it. And I was like, that's what I want out of Love, Rain, or Me. <laughs> and, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was genu- genuinely one of those moments where, like, I didn't think I was going to cry, <laughs> but I might cry. It was one of those. And uh, I just, I love that song. It's the closing of my favorite album of all time. I think it's a perfect closing to my favorite of all t- album of all time. And just one of my favorite Who songs. And uh, like it always speaks to me. And it, it, it also speaks to me when other people do it. Pearl Jam has a really great cover of that song that they uh, did uh, weirdly for an Adam Sandler movie called Rain Over Me. Uh, <laughs> that was the first appearance of it. Hmm. But they... Uh, and the studio version of that is fine, but the, the best version of that, Seek It Out, is their version that they did at the uh, Rock Honors for The Who. They uh, That was the night that Pearl Jam came out and out hooed The Who, because they were just perfect and played Who songs and did it very well, and Love, Rain, or Me was just fantastic, and they had a little bit of, you know, they, have, they had a small orchestra with them to do right. it. And, uh, which I imagine backstage people went, they brought a what? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, that was an interesting show, because the Who was like, walked out and went, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like, it's like, well, of course you're honoring us. What, you know, yeah. why else? Yeah. And just proceeded to really not care. And <laughs> yeah. just did the set, which, which is, is the most Who thing ever. I was going to say exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> Those are exactly the words I was going to say to you. Uh, but yeah, I love the Pearl Jam version too. I mean, I, and people who have listened to the show for a long time know that I think of Pearl Jam as my generation's answer to the Who. Uh, not as good as the Who, but they're my generation's answer to it. And uh, uh, just one of those songs that I love that continues to speak to me and speak to me and speak to me, and it was always going to be on this list. It's at number 10 for me. Hmm. Uh, with that, I think we're ready to go to your number nine. Okay, number nine. Uh, from who's next? One of the... Uh... Again, probably could have could have been a singles. Bargain. Okay, not on my list, but good song. Yeah. So Bargain is, like I say, one of those songs that if it didn't have the giant singles it had on it, would have been the single, I'm pretty sure. That um, makes sense. Starts off, you know, I mean, the words, just even the lyrics start off, I gladly lose me to find you. Yeah. Just automatically, it's like, you're line. just all in <laughs> at yeah. that point. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, and all this stuff, I do all of these things and lose myself for you, and I consider it a bargain. Yeah. You know, now you could say that's a love relationship. You could say that it's about God. You could look at it in many different ways. Sure. However you look at it, it's just this pleading song, this, um, it's almost hard to describe the feeling, but it's not, it's not just, ple- it's pleading and it's demanding. It's everything that you feel when you're in that position in one song and um the fact that it pretty much rocks is yeah. is also good um got a lot of really good drumming from keith moon in that song yeah. another good daltry screaming that too yep some good mm. daltry screaming uh, good old-fashioned screaming yeah <laughs> um it's just one of those songs that i think gets a little bit overlooked because of uh on that album because of what it's surrounded by sure uh gets a little overlooked but um they do it from time to time they haven't done it for a long time but they've yeah, have, been a little bit they uh you know they do they were doing it you know back in the 2000s they were doing it a yeah. little bit so um no song that's never really gone away it kind of keeps coming back and uh, just one of my my personal favorites so there you are yeah it's a great song and as, a, as you've been talking about i've kind of been going through just the lyric of it in my head and it's a great lyric 
There's so much in there that's just uh, just resonates. Yeah, to find me. you, I'd suffer anything and be glad. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a really great song. I'm a little. Uh, well, I'm not surprised that it's on my list, but I'm I'm glad it's on yours. Uh, cause that, it, it, was it in my, uh, yeah, it was in my master list. So in my like 50 song master yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, then, so uh, the, what's the other one? Uh, in life one, one, one and one don't make two. One and one makes one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's um, lovely. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's another one of those songs where just a great bridge to the sure. song that the, the, who did that a lot. Cause I think Townsend viewed bridges as, Oh, here's an extra song I can write. You know, <laughs> and stick in the yeah. middle of a well, different and here's, song. Yeah, and there's like this is going. His bridges often illustrate the point more so than than the whole the rest whole of rest the song. Of the song. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I think that's just kind of one of those examples of it, and that's one of those songs too that could have been very easily could have been presented as a ballad, could have been changed into a oh, yeah. total ballad or an acoustic thing. Uh, but it's not. It's kind of this mid tempo bombastic thing so yeah. I'm saying not even mid-tempo really because there's a lot of um, stops and starts in it and a lot of uh, but I say a lot of some of Keith Moon's best drumming because yeah. he, got, he got a little a little Excellent out there sometimes but some really good um, surprising restraint yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from Keith Moon uh, but still very powerful so great great song mm. that whole album has a lot of great drumming oh sure it's the... probably I mean Honestly, if you were looking for the Who as musicians, yeah, who's next is probably should be your 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 starting point anyway. Yeah, I uh, think absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. So we're we're, we're now on to my number nine, mm-hmm. uh, a song that I've already referenced a couple times. I don't really have a lot else to say about. Um, I mean, I, I'm gonna say more, but uh, I can't explain. Can't explain is my number nine. Uh, sorely missed on my list, but oh, thought of. Okay. Uh, yeah, Can't Explain. My number nine, Can't Explain. Uh, just one of those iconic Who songs, uh, Stolen From You Really Got Me, uh, mm-hmm. or whatever other Kinks song is kind of the same. Because the Kinks, the Kinks is one of those bands that sort of had the same feel to a few different songs, and the Who liked that feel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Can't Explain well, is... Can't Explain is one of those songs where I remember back when we were in you know doing a band together... Uh, we were talking about doing a Who song, and we ended up doing The Seeker. Uh, but I think we both had the same experience where we would tell people, yeah, we're doing a Who song in the band, and the first thing they would say, oh, are you doing Can't Explain? Like, yeah. people just love that song and want to hear mm-hmm. that song. Because it, it is that kind of... I mean, it's a it's a teenage pop song, pop song, love song type thing. But it is that sort of thing of, like, I've got a feeling inside that I can't explain, and everybody gets that. Right. You know, everybody gets that feeling, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, romantic or otherwise. Everybody gets, I've got something inside of me that I can't explain, but it's got to come out, and it's going to do so through this song, in the Who's case. Right. Uh, just one of those great iconic riffs, one of those great iconic, you know, melodies and songs, and just, it, it's another one of those songs, like my generation, that kind of, this is sort of where it started, and where the ball really started rolling, and, you know, it, it kind of... So much of uh, I Can't Explain is in, I think, the Who's DNA, and it keeps coming through album to album. And some of the more sort of abrasive, aggressive, I'm going to say what I'm going to say type feel. Sure. I, I think I Can't Explain is, is just foundational to that. And it's uh, you know, just just a great song. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just a great song. Yeah, I would underline all that. Underline? 
I would cosine all cosine. of Cosine. Let's go with cosine. Yeah. It makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my number nine. Can't explain unless you have anything to add about it. We're ready for your mm-hmm. number eight. I don't think I have anything to add, no, other than don't seek out the Scorpions version. Well, who would? Well, somebody. Uh, yeah, probably a Scorpions fan. Right. Now that you say it. Sorry, Scorpions fans. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing against the Scorpions. Yeah, didn't just, mean anything uh, there. Uh, yeah, no, nothing against the Scorpions. Just that's yeah. not a very good version. And I think they know it. The, sure. The Scorpions know it. They sure. It was on a Greatest Hits album. They did a new song. They didn't have one. They just did a cover. Yeah. There we go. Anyway. We didn't do a great version of The Seeker. There, I said it. No, we didn't. <laughs> but why would you? And also, damn, why is The Seeker not on my list? Uh, same. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so move on to what is on my list. Yeah, you're number eight. Who are you? Who are you? Higher on mine. Yeah, then that's perfectly fair. Um, that's, again, another one that how much do you really need to say about it? Yeah. Everybody knows the song. It's used for one of the CSIs. I don't even know which one. but um, uh, I believe the original. Okay. Uh, yeah. That makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a uh, keyboard riff. Everybody knows. Yep. Uh, it's a good story about Pete looking in the mirror and questioning himself. Who are you? What mm-hmm. are you, who, you know, and oh, Roger it goes deeper than that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, and, mm-hmm. but Roger taking it to be an angry song yeah. as opposed to more of a soul searching song that yeah. Pete intended yeah. and the com- combination of that lyric and that approach, you know, brings it in, makes it something bigger yeah. than it was, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, just walking around drinking and (laughs) yelling at the sex pistols and passing out so yeah yeah um you know or as pete refers to it saturday so (laughs) (laughs) um, well referred to uh, at at the time yeah to our knowledge he's he's not drinking at the time at the time i should have said referred to it uh yeah that's i i have so much to say about this this song uh i mean i i I, I sort of love, I've heard Pete tell the story before. I don't know if it was his, his VH1 Storytellers or if it was a live album that I have that was sold on his website or what. But he told the story of the song. They said, well, the story of Who Are You is I woke up in a Soho doorway. Right. <laughs> and a policeman was standing over me and said, if you can tell me your name, Pete, you can go home tonight. <laughs> I'll tell you where that, where that was from. That yeah. was from their uh, Bridge School benefit. Okay, there you go. Um, uh, the, I, uh... Haven't listened to that in a while, a, but uh, well, I believe it's technically called a bootleg mm. that <laughs> picked up somewhere. Yeah, that I won't say where, but no. anyway, um, yeah. But I know that. But that's a, a great story. Yeah, uh, and yeah. It's just sort of Townsend looking cool. inward and trying mm-hmm. to figure himself out, and it big surprise that spoke to everybody. Right. Yeah, you know, because we all do that from time to time. We all do sort of go, well, who who the fuck am I? Right. You know, we all do have mm-hmm. that from time to time. And that, that song resonates with me in a big way. And uh, uh, that's how it's, it's interesting that you mentioned CSI. The week leading up to the Who show that we just went to, uh, I was going into my office pretty regularly. I'm still going into my office now and again, but I was going in and I was wearing Who shirts that week. Because mm-hmm. our office dress code uh, uh, relaxed when COVID came along. And it hasn't unrelaxed. Yeah. We're, because we're all adults, and we can be trusted to not wear things that are going to offend each other. Right. So we've maintained a relaxed dress code. That said, it could change tomorrow. What do I know? But I was wearing Who shirts that week. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine uh, there, her name's Sarah. She's a good person. I don't mean any of what I'm about to say is a knock on her. She uh, pointed at my shirt and said, oh, are you gonna go, you're going to go see them, right? Uh, you know, this week. And I said, yeah, I am. She said, okay, hey, I'm... I'm sorry about this. I know what this says about me, but every time I, I see their name, I think of them as the CSI band. 
Mm. And I said, you know, I here's the thing. I'm supposed to be mad at you for that, but I get it. And also, that means it worked. Right. Because uh, both CSI and The Who saw a, a chance to, you know, mutually benefit from that. And you know them as the CSI as the CSI band, and Who fans know them as as the Who. But we also know, oh, they've got that song on CSI, so that that works, you know. Right. And like I said, Who Are You? I think is the original version of that. So that that kind of you know that's how deeply that song has penetrated culture. It's on a very popular TV show as its theme song. Sure. You know. Yeah. It's, but it's it's a classic and. Uh... Up until very recently, they were able to get away with playing the uncensored version on FM. Yeah. Which, for whatever reason, they can't do that anymore. Yeah. Which I understand for new stuff, but it's sure. been around for, what, 30-some-odd years? Right. 40 years? Um, we know what it says. Yeah. And even if you censor <laughs> it, you know what it says. Yeah, we know what it, what's it in it. Yeah, I mean, There's you know, no stuff. other word that fits. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, let's, let, let, let's be real here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it is one of those songs, it just, that song means a lot to me, and the third verse is maybe some of my favorite writing of anyone's career. Uh, the third verse so often gets cut from the single and from the radio edits that you hear. Yeah, just to shorten it down. Yeah, yeah. and the and the third verse is the most important one. <laughs> As the third True. verse is, uh, uh, I know there's a place you'll walk where love falls from the trees. My heart is like a broken cup. I only feel right on my knees. I spill, I spill out of a sewer hole and still receive your kiss. How could I measure up to anyone now after such a love as this? He takes the song that has been about him being a pathetic drunkard and turns it spiritual at yes. the very last moment. Mm -hmm. And that verse alone has done more for me theologically and spiritually than any hymn I've ever heard. I identify with that third verse so, so deeply. I just I love that song so much. I love that people know that song, regardless of how they know it. God bless CSI for getting it stuck in people's heads and making them download it. It's a great song, and I'm very glad it's on both of our lists. Again, it's higher on mine, sure, but uh, it belongs on both of ours, and it belongs on the final, and I'm sure it will be because that's how we do this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's, I just like talking about that song. Sure. And uh, I loved when we saw them on what we thought was going to be their last tour on the 50th anniversary. Like, that was billed as, this is it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, we all went it's, in thinking, okay, this is last time. Yeah, it's never it, though. No, not with them. Well, not with most bands. But... Well, we went into that because we had just seen Rush's 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember... And that was it. That was it. And we kind of had a sense that that might be it, right. regardless. Everybody kind of knew. And, like, but... I remember going into that and you saying, uh, like, there was that moment in Spirit of Radio with that, uh, where there's the part where the audience is clapping around, clapping along and stuff. Right. And you were saying that, like, that's sort of your happy place, and you've realized, you know, seeing that for what was probably the last time, how much you're going to miss that. And then we and went. I haven't been happy since. I've been a complete, yeah, complete it's, grudge it's been terrible since. since. <laughs> but we we walked into the Who show, and you referenced that back to me again, and said, "There's going to be so many more moments like that at this tonight," mm -hmm. you know. And we walked into you know the what we thought was the last Who show we were going to see. I have a blog post out there. It was like I just saw the Who for the last time. Mm -hmm. And then I've seen them twice since, uh, <laughs> at least. Uh, but, like, we, we walked in, and the very first song they play is Who Are You? Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> it's going to be so hard. You this know? is right out of the gate. <laughs> and they just knocked you, knocked you on your ass immediately, and it was perfect, you know? I, just, mm -hmm. I love that song, and I, I love talking about it. And it was your number, what, nine, eight? Eight. eight. And uh, uh, I guess that brings us to my number eight. Yes. Uh, which, uh, totally different tone, totally different vibe, mm -hmm. but, you know, just as much the who. My number eight, Behind Blue Eyes. 
Much higher on mine. Much higher on yours. That's very fair. I know that's always been one of your favorites. Yes. Uh, that's I actually. I don't even have blue eyes. No, nobody does. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, that's not true. But well, you know, but you know, continue with whatever was going to follow that. Uh, I couldn't possibly. Uh, Behind Blue Eyes, uh, yeah, a great Who song, uh, and the 89 tour, this is a weird story that I don't think I've told to anybody hardly ever. Uh, on the 89 tour, there we went to see them at Bush Stadium. I, yeah, I know where you're going with this. Uh, August 11th, I think, or 19th, one of the two. Something like that. Uh, it was in August. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were walking around, and I'm a kid, I'm, you know, nine years old, I'm noticeably younger than most of the crowd. And some news reporter just stops us and says, hey, can, we, can I have a word? You know, and like pulls us aside and like interviews me for the, for the news, supposedly. I don't know if it ever went out. I have no idea. No one's ever pointed me to it. Right. It may have. It may have been live. What do I know? It may have been she recorded it and then found something else she wanted to talk about more and it never went out. I have no idea. But whatever news reporter that was, for whatever station it was, no idea. This was before the concept of uh, uh, people having to sign off on likeness rights or anything like that. So we have no documentation of this. Uh, she you know, talked to me for a minute, because I'm a kid, and I'm at the Who show, and she was like, what's your favorite Who song? And I panicked and said, Behind Blue Eyes, because I really liked that song. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I, I don't know if that was true at the time, but to this day, it's still kind of one of my favorite Who songs. I really like playing it. I really like sing singing it. I really like hearing different versions of it. You looked like you were about to say something. Well, I remember I remember that. Yeah. And I remember thinking when you said Behind Blue Eyes, that was an interesting choice. But I also think that might be why it didn't go out, because you didn't pick one that most people know. Oh, that could be. <laughs> like, if you'd have picked, you know, My Generation or Won't Get Fooled Again, you might have been on the news. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't I, know. I still might have been. I, I have no idea. Somebody said they taped it, and it wasn't featured but they didn't okay. do much like something else happened and they only did a little bit of a little small thing on the who Maybe. show and something else yeah. happened. but i have no um, idea but yeah that was uh, but i would remember being surprised when you said that i was like really <laughs> i think it was just the one that was in my head at the time sure you know? but uh i do love that song i really like playing it if you own an acoustic guitar you eventually end up attempting it mm -hmm. uh just one of those things you know you play an e suspended chord for the first time and you're halfway there it's uh, just one of those great songs that just resonates with people, and it, it's it's so you know sort of quiet and unassuming, and then gets so loud and boisterous and uh, in in the middle bit or really toward the end of it, I guess. And another one of those great towns and bridges in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just it has a little bit of everything. And it's just one of those songs that you talk to people, and they you know it may not be the first song they mention, but you t start talking about it, they go, oh yeah, I love that song. You know, and I love that song, and it's at my number eight. So that's, uh, it's it's higher on yours, though. Do yeah. You wanna, do you want to go into that a little bit? Um, I, just because of its classic sta of its status and its stature more than anything sure. else. Uh, but yeah, I like the song, um, and I think it's kind of open to interpretation a little bit. It's yeah. exactly what it means, you know. When my fist clenches, crack it open. Yeah. It's like, I need you to do this. Yeah. You know, um, and I've never, and I honestly, I don't 100% know exactly what Pete's getting at with a lot of it. Sure. But whatever it is, I relate to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Uh, and then there's, you know, but you're right. It's got the acoustic-y thing going to it. Then it comes in and, you know, it gets the big rock thing. And then just like mellows out at the end. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's a really cool song it's a good uh, it's a very who um 
uh, study in the way that who play with dynamics yeah and with lyrics so yeah i mean i think it's one of their one of their uh finest works so yeah. i agree very subtly it's one of my favorite whistle bass parts just because it's he's he's very subtle throughout it but when it kicks into the hard part, you hear that... Yeah. Just well, that almost like he's, he's the one that has to kick it up. Yeah, just that little it's slide not, Yeah, it's not moving like, on the drums. It's yeah. muscle. Yeah, just that little slide there. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, the, the bass player has entered the room. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I just, I, I love that. There's so much of, I mean, Entwistle is one of those guys who both has exactly the standing he should and is massively underrated as a, as a musician and as a bass player. Those are my favorite players. Yeah. As that are either, that are possibly overrated by their fans and completely underrated by <laughs> sure um those are those are my favorites uh, although in it case i don't think he's overrated at all by anybody no. but no um but i do think he's underrated by the public at large absolutely okay so i think that's going to bring us to your number seven yes would you like to share it oh sure <laughs> <laughs> okay so my number seven there's a song that I know we both like, and I'm worried that I might take your number one from me here. Okay. Um, it's an album track. Most people don't know it. And I'm actually interested to see if it's on your list and where. Uh, but it's They Are All In Love from uh, uh, Who By Numbers. Uh, not on my list. Really? Uh, really. I thought uh, it would be. I understand why you would. Yeah. Uh, it should be. If we were just doing my personal favorites, probably. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a, a great song. Love it a lot. Uh, despite the fact that when he says Zip Magazine, it sounds like he's farting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, love that song a lot, a lot, Which a I lot, think, a lot. Which I actually think that adds to it, that, I do that too. he does it that way. It kind of ends up being silly by accident. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really love that song. Didn't make my list because I just, uh, just sort of loyalty to, to some other songs. But. Yeah, that was one of the, uh, I, you know, I always try to put a few personal things in there, and that's yeah. one of mine, um... And it's, you know, basically, you know, the Who hadn't ended yet, but Pete knew they were going in that direction. Yeah. Uh, and that it was not, and it's that whole album is filled with Pete trying to figure out what he's doing and what's going to happen next and where yeah. things are. Um, you know, and amidst the famous lines from that, goodbye, you punks, stay, stay young and stay, stay high, hand, hand me my, my checkbook and, and I'll crawl, crawl off to, to die. die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um and then he stubbornly didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, he then lived is, for another which, 50 years. Which is <laughs> which is almost, well, it was a metaphorical death, but it was yeah. almost an answer to Hope I Die Before I Get Old. Yeah. It's kind of coming full circle yeah. to that song. Um, and it's, you know, not a big rock song. It's not a ballad necessarily, but it's um, a very emotional song that I think people can get behind just from the feelings. There's such a certain feeling to it that's sure. somewhat indescribable, but I really think it's a beautiful song yeah. for The Who. And uh, it was, again, a personal pick. Uh, there were a lot of hits and bigger songs I could have put on, but I thought that... Uh, and there was another one from that album that I was really, really wanted to be on there, but I went with this one in in the end. So, uh, And I didn't say it just cause in case it's on your list, but... Um, I think if you have not heard that song, uh, check it out for a side, a side of the Who or a part of the Who you may not expect to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's a really beautiful song. I do love it a lot. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I have a couple of different Who playlists on my phone. And uh, that's in my Who playlist that's uh, titled Weird Who. 
Because <laughs> like it, that's like just full of the songs that only I like, you know. Uh, that you know nobody else is gonna name as their favorite Who songs, but that's that's that is one of my favorite Who songs, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad it showed up on your list because it was definitely my honorable mentions. Uh, but it was just one of those songs that I figured that's such a weird deep pull that it, it, it wouldn't be even in most people's honorable mentions. You know, I think that's why I put it on. Yeah, because I think it deserves it. Yeah, and, no, I agree. Uh, you know, like I said, it's trying to touch on all bases. Yeah, for the who here, and that's uh, and that's one that I really belongs. I think, uh, but I think a lot of hardcore who fans would put that up in their top five, ten. Yeah, songs, probably. I think um, pretty much across the board. Probably so, that's uh, one of my favorite non Quadrophenia who albums. Uh, I mean, low key sleeper, one of my favorite who albums. Yeah, uh, by numbers. Uh, and the cover's yeah, it's great, probably, too. I mean, you know. Like in my top three, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just just a great album. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's... You know, I mean, anything where somebody's sort of looking at his life and trying to figure it out works for me. And that's sort of that album, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's definitely that song. And uh, Yeah, the, I'm, I'm glad that that popped up. That's one I didn't expect to get to talk about tonight. And uh, nice to talk about it. Yeah, see, I thought you, I thought you would do it because you usually do that. On these yeah. lists, you usually throw something like that at me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, okay. Well, I, we switched roles on that one. I clapped, I, 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 so I I I kept a lot of those uh, those choices a little bit lower on the list, with the exception of, uh, well, one. Uh, and not the next one, because we're at my number seven. And my number seven is a, kind of a gimme on a, <laughs> on a Who list. Uh, in fact, there could be limitless arguments for making this anybody's number one, but it's my number seven, is uh, Won't Get Fooled Again. Okay, that's higher than mine. I assumed. Uh, yeah, just one of those iconic songs, one of those iconic screams, made made relevant again to some people who otherwise wouldn't have heard it by CSI Miami. Uh, you know, there's a whole meme of uh, the guy from CSI Miami putting on his you know sunglasses and yeah, <laughs> kind of being <laughs> in the background. There's just a whole internet meme about that, and right. everybody knows you know what that is, and people. I mean, that's another one of those things, like I said earlier. It, yeah, people know it because of that, because it worked, you know? Right. Uh, like, everybody benefited, everybody made money, and everybody's, you know, happier because of it. So, you know, I don't fault anybody for, for knowing it for that reason. But uh, just one of, those, one of those great songs, one of those iconic Who songs, one of those iconic songs in rock and roll history, period, regardless of who, of who it's by. It's one of those songs that people know and love, and it, it speaks to so many people. I mean, there are just individual lines you can pull out of it. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. We all kind of get that, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, just, just it's, it's almost one of those, so those songs where it almost feels like Pete sat down to write a song where he thought, okay, every line that I write in this song has to be quotable. <laughs> like this uh, like every every line from this song could be someone's quote in their high school yearbook or in their you know in like a thing that they're doing for work like in whatever bio that they're writing every, every line that i write in this song has to fit that for someone and he pulled it off <laughs> and it just yeah, kind of much. works you yeah. know and yeah, it's, it's and uh, yeah the all-time iconic daltry scream sure you know and although i think he's had better honestly uh, I, I agreed uh, you know, but if you ask somebody, hey, what do you think of, what do you think of Roger Daltrey? 
the mm-hmm. scream in that song. Yes. It's one of the all-time, I mean, definitely one of the top, all-time top five rock and roll screams. That would be an interesting Fab 15. Write that down in the margin. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, although not a lot what to talk it? about. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Okay, never mind. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, the, the best ideas come out in editing. Uh, yeah, just one of the... I've dropped my pen. Just one of those uh, songs that everybody knows, everybody gets, everybody gravitates toward. It's just one of those iconic songs, and it, it hit my list at number seven. Uh, I have a feeling it's higher on yours. I have a feeling you have some things to say about it, too. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of what you said I would say as well. Uh, but lyrically, I think, you know, it's part protest song, part resignation Yeah. to just the way things are. Um, it's almost... Okay, well, ex- accepting the way things are so we can get on with it and do something else. Yeah. But it's also saying, you know, with the won't get fooled again, it's like, okay, well, I know the game now. I'm not going to let it get me. You know, it's like, there's a whole fool, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on me. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I screwed it up like whoever did, like Bush did or whoever yeah, it was. Yeah. Actually, you, I did the you same actually thing. stumbled into like the problem that uh, uh, Michael Moore had with <laughs> with that documentary is he wanted to use that song with Bush saying that quote. Yeah. And he couldn't because the who wouldn't let him. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so, sorry. Know, I... It's the whole thing about being like, okay, um, I was blind. I see how the game works now. I get it. I've been stepped on enough times. I get it. But at the same time, I can't really fight it, but I'm not going to accept it either. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of one of those. And that's kind of uh, your life from your 30s until you retire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or your 20s, maybe, until you retire. Yeah. And then uh, with Roger in live, I was saying, don't let him fool you. Yeah. At the end, you know, so turning kind of also turning it in back into more of a fighting thing. So it's just yeah. a very interesting um, lyric and an interesting piece. And of course, it's got. Like you see, it's got the iconic stream and got that big, long um, build-up. Yeah, yeah. That with d- this, d- d- yeah, the, yeah, the, the synthesizer d- thing. Yeah. Synthesizers were fairly new. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only people using them were people writing 30-minute frog hat picks that were yeah. kind of putting people to sleep. It's the and, who and yes. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> yes started, we're a little bit after that, I think. But, yeah, no, I think um, you're right, actually, now that I've said it. So, uh, yeah, but it's just one of those iconic songs that... Uh, everybody, you know, if if you don't have it uh, either on a physical product or downloaded into a playlist or it's not in your streaming, you know, your top streaming, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it's, uh, yeah, one of the all-time great, yeah. great rock songs. It's yeah. very true. Um, and never fails to work. Yeah. Whether it's just comes on the radio or it's on a playlist or they... You know, the suddenly they ladies and gentlemen the Who and they kick that song off. You know, yeah. just uh, it a song. It'll always work. It'll always mean. It might mean different things to different people, but it'll always work, and always uh, be a classic. It's just one of the great. It's one of the great ones. Absolutely, uh, just one of those songs that always speaks to whoever's hearing it. Really, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, uh, while I'm saying that, I'm thinking of their uh, concert for New York performance, mm-hmm. you know? Just one of the iconic moments for The Who. That was when The Who was maybe the best version of The Who that they could have been. They walked into the, into the concert for New York after 9-11, and they walked in as rock stars, and were the only ones that walked in as rock stars, and provided a show that l- allowed people just absolute release yeah. from the moment that they were in. 
Meanwhile, I mean, you know, the the footage of that is amazing and heartbreaking because you're seeing a band delivering one of their best performances ever. Uh, and there are people down front holding up pictures of people that they've lost mm-hmm. to, to the 9-11 attacks. And it was just it was just one of the moments where you go, oh, rock and roll is doing some good here tonight, you know? Yeah. Well, and the message of the chorus of won't get fooled again after what that, con- that concert was yeah. for... And, you know, the uh, terrorist attacks that people didn't think could happen here that did. Yeah. Um, that it took on a different message that night than it probably normally does. Normally, yep. I think people put it into, you know, the, the man or the system or the government or whatever. And this was uh, a outside force yeah. that it was against. So it yeah. um, would have been the same if it was aliens attacking us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Would work. Just... Not, to, not to make light of 9-11 no, 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 in, no. In, in any way, but... Uh, but but that's the point is that uh, great songs and great writing like the Who has can yeah. do different things to different people and uh, or for different people yeah and become an anthem in different ways at different times and still be around and still be effective so but uh, yeah. yeah if you ever have a chance to see the footage for that oh yeah it's great it's one yeah. of the best versions I will sometimes throw that live version on. Uh, playlists and stuff. Yeah, I bought the soundtrack to the to the show for that alone. For the yeah, performance that's on alone. one of their uh, one of their yeah one of the compilations. Yeah, I, I think the one, uh, Amazing Journey, the soundtrack to that the, might be right to the documentary, which is also fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So that's I think all we can we could say more probably. But oh, we, absolutely. We, we, we could need to move on. <laughs> talk about all of these songs for the length of an episode, but sure. Uh, we're on to uh, your number six then. My number six is another number, 515. Oh, nice. Uh, not on my list. Uh, yeah. Came very, very fucking close to being on my <laughs> list, but uh, not on my list. Uh, yeah, so 515, I've always liked just the just how rhythmic it is. Yeah. Very rhythmic. Um, I mean, it's about being on a train. Sounds like you're on a train. Sure. Uh, got the train sound effects in the beginning of it, the passing of the trains yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and the... Lyrics just about London at the time is just kind of a slice of life from Quadrophenia, but yeah. you know we got the horns in it and the bass line and um, you know and then the soft the inside outside part gets quiet yeah, yeah and then they get back into you know assaulting you with the rest <laughs> of the song uh, very very who like um, real I do, I'm just a great song I don't really know what else to say about it it's yeah. just one of those songs that. I have always been a true before I knew any of the words, and I thought it was called Inside Outside sure. uh, for years um, before I knew anything about it or uh, understood some of the verses, and it's quite risque for the time. Yeah. Um, and today, things that we're still talking about and arguing about yeah. um, in the social status, or the social whatever you want to call it, I'm getting tired, sorry. Uh <laughs> It's eight oh two p.m. <laughs> it's been a long We're day, both sir. Exhausted. <laughs> I have driven. I I drove a lot of people. A lot. I have three kids, and I drove a lot of people a lot of places today. So what I'm realizing uh, when we start record, I start drinking at six p.m. <laughs> so that's a good reason to be tired too. Yeah, I'm not doing great either. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is normally later for me. Yes. Well, we normally start this later too, yeah. so it feels like we've been doing this longer. Yeah. So uh, yeah, five fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it is a great song. Uh, the, I mean, I I think 
This is, this is one of those songs, I fell in love with the Quadrophenia album when I was just hitting my teen years, a little bit before, I think I was 12, when Dad brought home the uh, uh, the sort of gold-plated CD version. I don't, those were out there yeah, for yeah, a while. Yeah, I remember those. Uh, the, those are really hard to explain to anybody who doesn't know what those are. They were uh, they had gold plating on them. Yeah, that's uh, basically both sides. It. I think. Yeah, it was supposed to be better fidelity for some reason, but it wasn't it, really. No, it didn't. Uh, but uh, it, like Dad brought that home, and I started falling in love with with Quadrophenia, and I think I was like twelve, something like that. And like that's one of the songs that jumped out at me. That I I I think when I was hearing these songs, I didn't know what was a hit and what wasn't. You know, right? And five fifteen is a very well known Who song, but I don't think I knew that. But you know, it starts off with this kind of piano intro, and you just hear Pete, "Why should I care? Why should I care?" And I went, "Yeah, why should I care?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> say more things." That I could agree with. And it turned into a John Mulaney bit. Uh, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, like, that whole album just hit me at the right time. Sure. And this is one of those songs that hit me at the right time. And there are versions from the early 2000s, because that chronologically would be where they would have to be, where we then rip into John Whistle doing a bass solo. Yes. That just... I remember in 1997, we went to see The Who at whatever they were calling Riverport Amphitheater at the time. Right. Uh, and they did the Quadrophenia album. And we walked in, not sure if they were going to do it, and then got there, and and all of the merch was for the Quadrophenia album. And we went, oh, mm -hmm. they're doing Quadrophenia. You know, and that was already my favorite album. I'm 17, you know. And uh, we're there, and I remember they get to 5.15, and uh, uh, Roger was introducing the bass solo in the middle of that song, which isn't on the album version, only on the live versions. Right. Uh, he introduced the bass solo the same way every night. Uh, then I hear the thunder! Because <laughs> he was called Thunderfingers. Right. It's one of his nicknames. And John just rips off this amazing fucking bass solo. And I remember, like, the crowd was standing up until that point, and then there was a solo... And everybody sat down, mm -hmm. except for me. Yes. I, was, I, I remained standing because I gave a shit. Because I'm a fan. And I was getting stuff thrown at me. I and, remember that, yeah. yeah. And you were right next to me, and, and when stuff started getting thrown at me, uh, you kind of sat up on your seat next to me, which I appreciated. <laughs> and we both held up our middle fingers to everybody behind us. Yep. And uh, I just stood there and listened to the best bass player that's ever lived play an incredible bass solo. Yes. And uh, that that alone means so much to me that I'm almost embarrassed that the song isn't on my list. It isn't because the bass solo isn't in the studio track. You know, you understand. But, uh, like, that memory is so indelibly marked on my brain mm -hmm. that, like, that just, that meant the world. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing this, you know, my all-time biggest bass idol play an incredible solo. And there's footage out there from other times on that tour. Uh, I, I'm sure they released one DVD or another at the time. Who knows? Uh, or I guess VHS maybe at the time. But I'm sure they released different Yeah, there is a DVD set or there was yeah with uh the 89 tour yeah. that from the uh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Theater. i have that yeah and it has quadrophenia and, and it's got yeah. tommy too yeah that's right um, and uh but yeah the 97 one and the 89 are on the same dv i have yeah. that thank you 
uh, there's footage from that where it hits the bass solo and John's just going and going and going. And eventually the band starts to kind of come back in and you sort of pan back out and you realize Roger's down on his knees and just kind of kneeling for the whole thing, getting back into the song, but he's just on his knees. And, like, I've posted that on the internet a couple times. It said, here's a bass solo so good that Roger Daltrey's legs stop working. <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> you know, like that, that song means a lot to me on that level, because, you know, the ox was just the best. And, you know, like, I... Uh, uh, just the best bass player. And, uh, yeah, that song means a lot to me, too. Uh, yeah. Based on based on memories that have nothing to do with the studio recording. Right. So back to that. Yeah. Uh, as mentioned, let's go into it a little bit further. Um, I'm sorry. I don't think I even heard you say that. I was just waiting to talk about the thing I yeah. wanted to say. No, mention the... Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Mention the, uh, the things that we're still talking about today. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, yeah, a yeah. verse in there... Um, there's a set of He-Man drag in a glittering ballroom, gray yeah. lava radius, and my high heel shoes, yeah. which isn't necessarily about cross-dressing, but right. it's not not about cross-dressing. Right. Um, you know, girls of 15, sexually knowing is in there. Yeah. The ushers are sniffing Odie cloning, which is, as we've talked about before, uh, referencing when the Beatles would yeah. play and, they, and women would, uh, young girls would wet the seats yeah and they had to go around and spray them down with perfume to let the next crowd in yeah for the next show yeah. um you know and just about the awakening of people in that way yeah um, not 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 pretty no but not you know. pretty at all and that's kind of the point of it is yeah that but it's, real when you're uh when you're young you think it's glamorous it's not right very little of anything is glamorous at, at this point but right um it's about finding who you are it's about finding and you know going getting breaking out of your shell seeing other people do the same and then having to figure out what that means right not only to you but to the people around you and if you're okay with it if it bothers you if it's you know whatever um and then you know and it's but there's still an aggression behind the song and yeah uh very much the character who i think you know pops a couple pills as he's on the train, sure. Um, and it's just about the whole idea, the whole teenage, early young adult idea of figuring everything the hell out yeah. and trying to figure out what it is. And honestly, that stays. You think when you're a younger person that as you get older, it gets easier and you figure stuff out. It doesn't. <laughs> it just gets. It doesn't get more confusing, but just new things happen, and you got to figure out how that fits in your worldview. Yep. And you got to change your worldview a little around a little bit more. Yep. When you're younger, developing a worldview, then you get it and realize you were wrong about half of it, and have <laughs> to re, have to redo it. So yeah. that, especially you know now that's on everybody's mind. So I think yeah. it's a more uh, appropriate song for the times than one would think. And yeah. probably that's one of the reasons, other than the fact that, like I say, the rhythmic, it's got the horns, it's got it's just a great arrangement. More so than that, there's something in it that really pulls at who we are and who we want to be and who we aren't and all of that. And it's just written in a very specific way that's very macho and angular. It's kind of like, you know, yes, these are people who are um, getting themselves dressed up for evening on the town, but they will punch you in the face <laughs> <laughs> if you cross them. So you know it's got it's it's a very uh, interesting dynamic and dichotomy in the song, and that's part of lyrically why I like it so much. But musically, it's just it, it's a killer tune. So there yeah. you go. 
Well said. Uh, I think we've kind of exhausted everything we can possibly yeah, say. Yeah, we're done with that. Let's move on to your number... My number six? six. Number yeah, six. my number six. Uh, my number six is a song that is a uh, sort of latter-day who song that is uh, uh, one that I've disappointingly never heard them do live, and I would love to hear them do live, that they did a lot on the tour where they sort of debuted it, but then not after. Uh, my number six, Real Good Looking Boy. Okay. Which is sort of a weird, weird pull. It was uh, like it came out on a Greatest Hits compilation as sort of a... As a bonus track. Yeah, as a bonus yeah. track, more or less. And uh, uh, they played a little bit on that tour and the tour that followed and then never again. Uh, <laughs> and just one of those songs that speaks to me in ways that I can't... I'm going to have trouble even even talking about this, even sort of quantifying why I love it so much. I mean, it's a song that... Pete wrote really sort of about his his experience with Elvis in a lot of ways and sort of, you know, seeing Elvis for the first time and just like, oh, that's, you know, that's a very good looking, you know, young man who's doing things that are, you know, be getting him a lot of attention. I wonder if I could do that. And you're like, no, of course you can't. You're, you look like you, you know, yeah. is sort of the vibe of it. And uh, I know that when he presented it to, you know, Roger Daltrey for the first time, Roger's thought was, oh, this song's about me, you know? <laughs> and I've, I've heard Roger say a few times. Uh, and it's just, just, a song about, just a song about identity, and that always works for me. And uh, just sort of that thing of, uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's the verse uh, where he, uh, he spends the first part talking about, you know, I... I saw that face, and I thought right then, that's a real good-looking boy, and he's talking about Elvis. And then in in the next verse, he says, uh, you know, he goes he goes to his to his mother and says, you know, I, I you know, look at me, you know, that kind of thing. And she says, son, you know, you're an ugly boy, <laughs> right? You don't really look like him. <laughs> yeah. In this long line, there's been some real strange genes. You got them all. You got them all with a with a, some extras thrown in. And then the chorus comes back in. That's a real good-looking boy, right? Yeah, and like that turn right there breaks my heart every time. Like there have been times where I've been driving down the road listening to that song, and it's gotten to that verse, and it's gotten back into that's a real good-looking boy after saying you got some real strange genes. Uh, the like I've ended up crying on the highway. <laughs> like yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's just one of those songs that's always spoken to me. And it's, uh, again, a little bit of that excitement of this is my favorite band and this is a song that came out during the time that I've loved them that was new at the time. There's a little bit of that. Sure. But it's it's also just that song keeps speaking to me because it, like any anything that deals with, you know, things... Things could be very dark and very sad, and you know you could think that you're not as good as Elvis. You could think that you're not as attractive. You're not as good. You're not as worth it. But you kind of are, you know, or you definitely are. Anything that kind of has that message to it is going to speak to me and is going to you know grab me by the heart. And like uh, this also would have been one of the first songs that came out uh, right after John Entwistle died. Right. Uh, I think Greg Lake played bass on it, who has also he since did. left us. And was phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and, you know, so, it, 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 uh, again, just a little bit of that excitement of having a new Who song, but 
it was a fucking good Who song, you know? Just that line, I thought then that I moved with all those lucky fucks and angels. Right. That's just such a beautiful Who lyric, you know, that you kind of go, ah, he said fuck. But you also <laughs> go, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that, that exactly. I've, I've had that feeling. I get it. You know, it's just one of those songs that I I, I love that song. It's, uh, you know, what, it's at my number six. I mean, if I were doing this for, like, the songs by The Who that speak to me, it'd not only be in my top five, it'd be in my top three. Right. It's just one of those great songs that, I mean, every now and again you hear a song and you think, oh, I, 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 did they write that one for me? Yeah, and that's one of those songs for me. So landed at my number six. I don't know that you have anything to say about it in particular. Oh, no, it's, but... it's, I, it's not on my list. I like the song. Um, I I think it's both interest. It's both odd and appropriate that it comes in and out with um, "Can't Help Falling in Love with You." Sure. Uh, which I think is probably, yeah, that's a whole other thing I didn't talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's probably another one of the songs that was around at the time. It's kind of tying it into the time period, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of, like you say, the kind of the dichotomy between being, you know, not being your obvious choice as a, a performer or someone who would get up in front of people and do things because yeah. you don't have the look. Yeah. Um, I have several times been in my, in my uh, attempts at doing um, different artistic whatever you want to call it performances or whatever have been uh, because of the way i look have been passed over or sure. told no Same. um so i get it and mm. um it's as recently as a few years ago actually but um sure. just one of those things where there's kind of a dichotomy between you know can't help falling in love with you and you know you're ugly but he looks good yeah. and wanting to be there or not so i get that um i think as a song I like it. I don't think I like it as much as you do, but it doesn't quite hit me in the same way. Sure. But I do like the song. It's a good It's a good song. Um, it's on a hits, and that's okay. I'm good with it being on the hit record, because that's fine. More people hear it that way, so I'm good with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good song. I If I had put it on my list, it would have been lower than that, but, you know, it's a good song. I can't complain about it. Right on. Yeah, just just one of my favorite Who songs that just, yeah, I'm I'm... I mean, I've said enough, but I mean, there's more that I want to say, and I. But if I said more, it'd get like deeply personal in a way that's that's uncomfortable. Uh, so, well, so we I think, can move on. Yeah, I think we're gonna move on. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna move on to your number five. Okay. We're in the top five, folks. All right. So my number five is two songs connected. Is two one songs two songs connected? What the hell are you one... trying to pull? <laughs> Well, okay, they're connected, and okay. one goes into the other one, so you can call that shenanigans if you want. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead and I say it. I know you do. Uh, we're not going to take it into see, see Me, Feel Me. Okay. Is my number five. It's the, of course, as everyone, or as most people know, anyway, uh, it's the end of the Tommy record, and my phone is trying to record me again. There we go. Okay. Um, so it's the end of the Tommy record, It's uh, and it's an ambiguous ending at best, Yeah. but it is one of those songs that when you hear it there's an uplift to it whether it's supposed to be or not there's an uplift to it that uh really is a stirring movement makes you feel something just the music not even necessarily the lyric but the music feels you know there's a pleading into it of you know the listening to you i get you know and then see me and then listening to you is what i get and then it, and there's this whole communication thing in it um and it 
this song kind of sounds, um, I want to say it kind of sounds like a prayer. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, and I think it is. It's yeah. just one of those things. I mean, the first half of it is rebellion. That we're not going to take it as rebellion and having and bringing down people who shouldn't have been put on the pedestal in the first place. And then you get the other side of that with the people who are in the pedestal going, no, but this is where it is. So there's a very, a lot of uh, different things going into it. But you kind of can't have a Who concert without that moment. True. Um, even if they don't do, we're not going to take it beforehand, which I think they always should. Yeah, but Because they don't. on its <laughs> own, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Agreed. It's good, but it doesn't make, make a whole lot of sense. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so one of the, I think, great rock theater moments without having anything theatrical about it with a great rock theater um in concert on record and the only flaw with tommy is it sounds like it does it doesn't have all the big electric instrumentation that it should have the studio version it still sounds like they're poppy 60s cells if they could have just done another year before that got was 69 i think or no did Tommy immediately follow Sellout, or am I skipping yes. one? Yeah, okay, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it was Sellout into Tommy. Yeah. Um, some of the boy, ideas, that should be impossible. Because some of the ideas <laughs> for Tommy were in Sellout. Yeah, There's yeah. a few songs that have some of the riffage and some of the, uh, even some lyric borrows and some ideas yeah. that go back and forth between the two albums. Sure. And uh, it's just sonically, it's just missing the, you know, the, that's why the live Tommies are also great because they sound fantastic. Yeah. And this album itself is a little thin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there, I guess. So, uh, but I just, uh, yeah, I think one of the great Who moments that um, absolutely deserves to be acknowledged in a top list of anything Who related. I agree with you. Uh, I don't know a better way to say this other than to say half of that is higher on my list. Uh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't disagree with anything that you said. Um, well, look, the half that's higher on my list is See Me, Feel Me. Sure, uh, it would be. Yeah, We're Not Gonna Take It is one of those things that, uh, well, one of those tracks or one of those half tracks, however you view it, that... Yeah, the two songs sort of belong together. Yeah, See Me, Feel Me is on my list as one of those great songs and one of those just iconic moments. I mean, someone says See Me, Feel Me to you. Uh, Anyone my age and older, maybe not younger, but my age and older, probably thinks of the iconic sunrise during Woodstock Right. that was captured so wonderfully in the movie. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, how do you get a better light show, as Roger Daltrey himself has pointed out several times? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's maybe the iconic, you know, if you have one performance to view of that song, it's the Woodstock performance. Uh, you know, uh, that's in my head forever, as is virtually all of the Woodstock movie, you know. The Woodstock movie was huge for everybody, and... See me, feel me factors into that. Actually, I can't remember now because I've I've heard so many different versions of uh, the the Woodstock set. In fact, I recently bought a vinyl version of the the Who's Woodstock set. Uh, I can't remember if we're not going to take it as on the actual album release, 
or if it's just see me feel me. I think it's just see me I feel me. I think it is. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, uh, I have all of it, at least all that exists. Sure, but I have got the Woods uh, Woodstock CD from that came who live at Woodstock. It came from Germany, so that's yeah. all you need to know. Yeah, but I think um, I have the same thing on vinyl. And it's so. got the uh, it's got the Abby Hoffman incident yeah. in it and everything else. Yeah. Um, I think See Me Feel Me is all the more powerful for what precedes it, and without it, I don't like it as much. Oh, that's interesting. It's still good. That's don't get me wrong. I like it, and if they just do that in the contract, I'll be like, woo! Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's those two songs are the, you know, are, are the both sides of it. I don't, they, it feels incomplete to me yeah. without, one or the, without one or the other. That's interesting. I, uh, I, I think See Me Feel Me is Probably our dad's favorite Who song. Uh, Might be, but he's got a handful of them that he really likes. Yeah, that... well, I, I know that the last time we saw them with dad, that was the one he recorded on his phone. Okay. Uh, and I, I think he's mentioned that a time or two to me, just as we've you know talked about. Yeah, I thought it was Magic Bus, but, but you might be right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I, I know that song does mean a lot to him. We, I, I, I'm tempted to just get him on speakerphone right now, but either part of that song or both parts of that song, or I mean, I'm saying song, so I guess I'm accepting that they're both the same track. Right. But I mean, either either part of that or or each part taken individually, I mean, it belongs on the list, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it's higher on my see me feel me at least is higher on mine. Uh, I mean, we've certainly had a, a a decently long conversation about it, you know. So I mean, clearly there's stuff to talk about, and there's a reason to talk about it. Uh, I certainly I. I I, I agree with you more on the see me feel me half than I do on the we're not going to take it half, even though I love that half. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, uh, I get that. Um, yeah, I just, for me, it it's not separable for me. Hmm. And it always annoys me when they, not annoys me, but disappoints me. That's When people do separate it. See, I think see me feel me does work on its own. Because uh, I think it's still expressing something that... Yeah, but if there's no background to it, it doesn't have... It's it's just a raw emotion, and there's yeah. Well, well, but I think you get to apply your own background to it, and that's what art does. Yeah, I understand that, but I think it's it's more. I don't know how I'm trying to say this. I, I don't I don't think it works as well without having background. But that's probably because it's part of a long piece. You know, I mean. It's from the Tommy yeah. album, and that's a giant piece. It's a full piece yeah. of realized music. Well, and it even pops if, up throughout the even if it, and it yeah, and it's it's a it's the see me feel me part comes in in different parts of the yeah. of the piece, and it's you know that uh, refrain will be in when Tommy's trying to communicate when he's not able to communicate. He's yeah. still in there looking for the acceptance. So, um, well, to me, it's really part of it. Yeah, and, that that speaks a lot to it. In and of itself, when he's not able to communicate, he's still saying, "See me, feel me." Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but again, that's why it's tied in so much. And I think that, like I say, Tommy is one of my favorite things of all time. Sure. As a whole, and then it's then when you get start getting into individual songs and nitpicking it is when it is when it's problematic because I can't. It's hard for me to separate it. Yeah. From anything else. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I don't know. I just think that without that other background, it's fine. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. 
it's good. It's just not complete. It's just, you know, see me, feel me. What? Okay. What? Why? What are we doing? <laughs> it, just, it doesn't, there's nothing to, it just kicks in with that. And then it's, and then there's a, oh, listening to you, I get this. See me, feel me. Okay. But what are we talking about? Hmm. You know, so without that, you know, and I, I get, you can feel it. You can feel the emotion and maybe that's good enough, but it seems to me like it's just out there without any sort of grounding to it. And that, hmm. um, and maybe that's just from my theater days and all that stuff. Sure. And me needing, you know, me needing that. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting uh, thing. Bush, just taking that off and just put on my generation. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, anyway, so let's let's do. So that's we'll figure that out in the rankings later. But let's. Uh, the last several minutes that you've been listening to is two people disagreeing about something they agree about. Yeah. Uh, and also, you heard Dave's pen scratch across the counter at one point. Sorry. In a way that I won't be able to edit out. Uh, but, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that brings us to what. Is it my number five? Your number five. My number five uh, is a song that is an absolute gimme. I have a feeling both of our top fives are gimmies. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five is Babbo O'Reilly. Okay. Which, uh, is that on your list? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Babbo O'Reilly. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate that fucking song. Why would you put that on your list? <laughs> Babbo what now? <laughs> Who or what now? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Bab O'Reilly. Uh, one of those songs that, if you know nothing else about the song, you know the riff. Yeah, a lot you of just, people still don't know the title. Yeah, exactly. Everybody thinks it's called Teenage Wasteland. Because uh, that's the thing that they keep repeating at the yes. end. You know, the, the, the words that would have made sense as a, as a title instead of Bab O'Reilly, which is mentioned nowhere in the song. Exactly. Uh, and that's part of why I love it, uh, is that it sort of exists outside of itself. Uh, just one of those great riffs. Just one of those great... I mean, how many... I mean, let me ask you this. How many great keyboard riffs can you name off the top of your head? Can you get to five? Can you get to ten? If you were alive in the 80s, you probably can. Uh, if you were a big music fan in the 80s, you probably can. Thanks for shitting on my point. You're welcome. Uh, Bab O'Reilly. That's probably, that's, in fairness, that's probably like the one, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the one that everyone would go to. You're correct. Okay, eventually we got to what I was trying to say. Uh, yeah, one of, the, one of those things where yeah, there's not a ton of keyboard riffs that you think that, that you hear and you just think, oh, I know what that is, or that you, that you hum idly. And that's one of them. It's just one of those, one of those, one of those musical passages that just stick out in everybody's mind. Whether you know the band, whether you know the source material, whether whatever, you have heard that little passage and you know it and you love it, and it's part of your musical makeup. You know, like just that alone makes it a top five for me. It's at my number five. It. I mean, from this point on, we could say anyone could be number one, as far as I'm concerned. But Babbo O'Reilly, just, uh, you know, one of those great songs. I mean, the keyboard part, the riff that brings you into it, but also just that that classic huge guitar chord thing of... You know, that's synonymous with the who and even though on the studio track the first time you hear that it's not the guitar you know it's 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 the the other hand on the piano and uh uh you know and a little bit of bass in there depending on which version you're focusing on 
And, uh, uh, I mean, just one of those iconic riffs, but also, I mean, lyrically, you start listening to the lyrics, you start, it's another one of those songs that just feels like everything Townsend wrote, he just thought, all right, everything I write has to go down in history, let's do it. And he wrote, you know, Bab O'Reilly, a.k.a. Teenage Wasteland, uh, and it, it just all works. It just all fires on every level. It's, I mean, you know, the, as the kids might say, this one slaps. It just everything, fire. huh? Fire. It's fire. It's it fire. slaps. It's a bop. If, uh, I, I think bop's a little passe now, but, yeah. uh, which is the origin of that. Maybe that like all the kids that said it grew up listening to kids bop. Let's, uh, let's just leave that hanging out oh, there. Oh, possible. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those tracks that, you know, every part of it just fires on all cylinders and, you know, it, it, it hits you right in the heart. It's uh, it's just one of those great iconic rock songs. And uh, I mean, I, I don't I, I feel like there's things that I could say that I haven't said. Maybe you have a few of them to say. Ditto. Okay, no. uh, <laughs> that didn't help at all. No. Uh, I mean, well, you pretty much said it. The only thing, I mean, lyrically, it's, um, I think it's misunderstood by most people. Yeah. Maybe not by most people, but by a certain, by a certain segment yeah. of uh, rock people. There's a segment of rock people, and I'm not really going to get too much on my high horse here, but there are a lot of people that, the only thing that they never got past the sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing. Yeah. Um, or sex, booze, and rock and roll, whatever. Whatever, yeah. And while that's certainly a part of the revolution of rock, of course, I won't deny that. And I won't say, hey, you know, of course rock's about going out and having a good time and being rebellious. But when he says teenage wasteland, it's not celebrating it. Right. You know, it's not, it's not celebrating that lifestyle. That's hugely important. Um, yeah. Even though... They were somewhat living that lifestyle. It's not. Yeah. Um, it's not something to say. Hey, you know, kind of more of a get it together people song. Yeah, you know, really. Um, and you know, uh, it seems to me like the main character is out in the song is outside of the city. Yeah, and is more of a uh, down to earth guy and more of a you know take life by the scruff of the neck and make it work for you person. Um, and is just lamenting uh, everything he sees around him, which is just a bunch of people who were stoned out of their gourds and not <laughs> really able to function very well. It's like, yeah, okay, hey, we're all happy here. We're doing our thing, and you guys are just nuts. So yeah. that's part of it, although you know, there are certainly other interpretations, and I won't say that they're wrong, but it's not celebrating. When it said they're all wasted at the end, it's not saying, hey, look, we're wasted. Woo! It's like they are all wasted. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's not we, it's they. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's huge. Um, because the who is as much as the who's writing and Pete's writing, uh, and the and in general, but the who in specific is about, you know, rebellion and about all that stuff. It's really it's thinking man's music to a degree. Some of it's silly. Yeah. You know, some of it's just entertainment for entertainment's sake and there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of it has another level. Yeah. And when you really start to deep dive in the who, it's hard to miss that. Yeah. And if you don't do the deep dives, then you're kind and you don't get to that level, then you're really stuck with the first three records, which is okay. Those are great records. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I like all of them. Absolutely. But there was a big, huge progression there. And if you're just into a catchy little tune, 
we're not going to get into it, and that's a shame. Yeah. Anyway, that's my uh, soapbox speech for right now. That's fair. One of the things that jumps out at me about this song is uh, one of the things that you said that I, I wrote out and sort of put on things and put on the walls of my room and things like that was uh, the phrase, you could live your whole life by things that Pete Townsend said. Well, that's true, yeah. Yeah, you said that, and I that always that. resonated with me, and I've said it over and over again. And one of the things that Pete Townsend said that I think you could live by is in Bab O'Reilly, which is, I don't need to fight to prove I'm right, and I don't need to be forgiven. Right. And that I mm-hmm. think I think that phrase right there is a big crux of the song. And yeah. of sort of... And of sort of understanding Pete Townsend. I mean, I've I've said already. I'm I'm almost more Pete Townsend than I am who, <laughs> as far as my my love of of what he what he what they do. And uh, I mean that just that's just been a recurring theme. And it's it's it certainly has its genesis, if not its 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 primary thesis statement here in this song. And uh, yeah, there's just there's a lot to love about about Baba, and. Uh, there's so much more we can probably say about all of the top five if we haven't said it already. And this is getting long, so maybe we should just move on to your number four. Okay, everything from my list are remaining has already been mentioned. Wow, okay. So I'm kind of surprised that this stuff was so low on your list, and I'm fascinated to know what in the hell you put on your top <laughs> four. Okay. Um, so, yeah, do you want me to continue? It doesn't matter. Please. Okay, number four was uh, Love, Rain, or Me. Which we've already talked about. So, uh, there's no need to talk about it again. What's your number four? I agree. Uh, yeah, my number four... Uh, in fairness, we do have uh, two, really three, kind of above this, that are the same. But my number four is different. Uh, my number four is uh, The Real Me. Yeah, that... Um, oh, that's a good point. That was one I was... That was one I had to take off when I got here and realized I had one too many. Okay. That's the one that I both... I was either that... Or um, I didn't even do that. I was kind of fighting for place with Love Rain Over Me. And I thought about taking out Music Must Fade, but I thought, you know, let's leave that in. So, sure. Um, yeah, so that was very close to making the list. Okay. And actually, my favorite song from Quadrophenia did not make the list at all. <laughs> but um, that was very close to making my list. So give me your thing and, and we'll, your thing. Give me your idea and we'll talk about it okay the real me is uh one of those songs that uh it's i guess really track two on quadrophenia because the first the opening track is just c sounds called i am the c which is kind of throwaway you know but uh the first like musical impression you get from quadrophenia is the real me which is a song that the first time i heard it was a breath of fresh air uh, I mean, this is, again, Quadrophenia came into my life when Dad brought it home one day, mm. you know, and I kind of started listening to it, and I listened to the couple of songs that I knew from, you know, the Greatest Hits albums or whatever, and uh, thought, okay, well, there's all these other songs, what are they? And I have a very specific memory of whatever age I was. I feel like I was 12, 13... At the very latest, 14. I remember laying down in what would have then been Mom and Dad's bedroom. 
with the portable Panasonic boombox you know, player that had the CD player in it, like Love the first that. sort of portable CD player that existed in our lives. I remember laying down in that bedroom on their waterbed and putting in the first disc from Quadrophenia and listening to the first disc of Quadrophenia and, you know, I Am The Sea is kind of playing. I'm going, okay, what is this? Sea sounds, whatever. And then the real me hits and I just remember lighting up and just kind of going, whoa, what is this? You know, what is this sound that I'm hearing? What is... Is that the bass? I, I just remember hearing it and going, okay, this is important. This is this is this is a big deal. This is one of those songs I was supposed to hear. Because we all have that. You know, we all have those songs that we were always supposed to hear. One of the things that keeps me going in life is knowing that there is music out there that I was always supposed to love that I haven't heard yet. And this was one of those songs at whatever age I was at the first time that I heard it. It was one of those songs that I was always supposed to hear. And I think the first time that I heard it, I was not yet a bass player. I don't think I had learned anything about the bass guitar yet. I, I started playing the bass guitar because the band that I was in needed a bass player. That's how every bass player starts. Don't lie to yourself, that is how every bass player starts. And uh, I, I didn't know anything about the bass, but I heard the real me laying down on the waterbed... In, in mom and dad's bedroom. And I thought, this is important. And throughout the years, I started analyzing it. I then, you know, I, I started playing the bass guitar and I, I learned how to play the real me, which is maybe foundational to how I play as a bass player to this very day. Uh, just one of the most complicated and interesting and melodic bass parts in all of rock and roll. Uh, one of the most important bass parts in all of rock and roll, and so many people have absolutely no idea that it exists, despite a handful of cover versions that are out there. But all of that removed, all of the personal aspect removed, can you see the real me? Can you? Can you see the real me mother? Can you see me? See the real me father? Can you see the, see the real me preacher? That That speaks... Beyond anything else I can see. Can you see the real me? That is an iconic moment. That is an iconic phrase. That is something that we all absolutely understand. It is the most iconic bass playing of John Entwistle's career. Whatever else you can say. It's the best that we got out of him. To the point that in the past couple of years where they've done the, the orchestral tours... They they play the real me because as part of the Quadrophenia suite, and there are parts of that where the entire orchestra is playing the bass part, because you need an entire fucking orchestra to do what John Entwistle did with just his two hands. That song is foundational to the person that I am. I'm shocked that it's as low as number four. Like, I, if, 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 if this were just a personal list, it would absolutely be number one. Uh, I've been yelling about this for several minutes to a lot of silence from Dave, and uh, I feel like I need to stop talking. My number four is The Real Me by The Who, featuring John Whistle on the fucking bass guitar. 
And yeah. uh, it's it's hugely important to me. I'm going to be fighting for that in the uh, final 15. Yeah, I was just sitting here listening to you and, you know, thinking about how much I missed waterbeds. I mean, those were great. I used to <laughs> love my waterbed. It was one of the best. You know, I just slept so soundly. I love those things. <laughs> Someone um, must be making a waterbed. Right I'm now. sure there is one, I but mean, yeah. I mean, you know, good luck finding it. Uh, no, I, I, other than the thing about laying there listening to it, How I agree long with you everything. On that, How since long you started, you... okay, <laughs> that's, that's why I didn't say anything. Um, no, I agree with you on. I mean, other than sitting on laying it and it being magical while laying down and listening to it on a portable CD player. <laughs> Other than that, I pretty much agree uh, with everything you said. It's a message that, yeah, everybody can get behind, uh, and it totally rocks. Great great interplay, too, with the drums and the bass. Sure. Um, you know, that's should be said. Great great vocal from Roger. Yeah. Uh, even the weird version they put on the box set with the horns is, yeah. is, is, is really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it was a sad edit for me when I kind of had to panic and pick something there <laughs> a minute. Sure. So, um, oh, that was the one from Quadrophenia that wasn't 515 for you? Or uh, whatever the one you said was? Yeah, I was debating with that and um, a couple other things. Actually, there's a few things I was like, oh, man, I do I take this off? Do I put some, you know, what do I do? So um, since I accidentally came in with 16 on my phone instead of 15 like an idiot. So, sure. Because um, I can't count, basically. So, well, why would you? I, you know, there's no need. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I agree. Red song. So anyway, continue. Uh, our number three we're at? Yeah, we're so, at your number three. Yeah, my number three, like I said, we already talked about everything else. Uh, it's Babbo O'Reilly is my number three. Okay, yeah, and we've already talked... I mean, we've already talked about the remainder of all of our lists. Well, let's just run through them real quick then. Yeah, okay, fine. Let's just go. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is Behind Blue Eyes. And number one was Won't Get Fooled Again. Uh, why was number? Uh, why was your number one Won't Get Fooled Again? Because it's the best one. <laughs> um, you know, the top three of my list, Babel Riley, Behind Blue Eyes, and Won't Get Fooled Again. Yeah, they're all, I mean, obviously one of those songs is going to be number one. And I kind of put those three together because they're together in my mind sure. so much. Um, they're really the big standout from Who's Next. And uh, just the epicness of Won't Get Fooled Again. Yeah. I think is what brought it there. Um, Bob O'Reilly is close to that. Uh, Behind Blue Eyes is in the middle because I uh, just kind of, uh, I don't know, just a personal choice more than anything else. Yeah, um, you've, always, you've, you've always loved that one. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and Bob O'Reilly, I won't get fooled again. I didn't want to put two um, keyboard heavy intro, you know, everybody recognize, too similar in construction to be exactly, you know, ne next to each other. Sure. But I like Won't Get Fooled Against a little bit better for the epicness of it. And, uh, you know, it's an eight minute song. Unless you get the single edit, which is bizarre and baffling. And yeah. I, you know, what, who was, who thought of that and why? Yeah. It's on the singles box set if anybody wants to look into it. But, yeah. wow. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that's, um, well, I say it's my favorite Who song. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But when I'm making a list of, you know, of, of this nature, then it, I did. I thought it just had to be number one mm. for me. Okay, fair enough. Right, uh, so... My my three, two, one was number three, Pinball Wizard. Number two, See Me Feel Me, specifically, uh, not not in, incorporating. Uh, right. We're not going to take it. And uh, number one is Who Are You. Uh, so we've got several matches. 
uh, there, which is no surprise whatsoever. Right. Uh, but, I mean, my my number one being Who Are You, I guess I should answer that, since you answered why uh, Won't Get Fooled is your number one. Sure. Uh, who Are You, uh, it's got the fucking band's name in it. Uh, and it's, yeah, okay. It's just one of those songs that... I mean, they got the word fuck onto radio play. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's impossible, and they did it for years and years. Lately, they have censored it, but... I, I I don't know. When someone says the Who to to me, that's one of the first songs that plays in my head. Mm-hmm. And when we saw them on what we thought was their last tour, that's the first song that they did, and that seemed appropriate. And it just sure. Uh, and like I said, that third verse means the world to me. And it just, I think, really the power of that third verse for me is what uh, puts it at my number one. You know, uh, so that's that's really all i need to say because i've said everything else um so yeah we've got several matches here we do like i think like nine of them yeah is that right one two three four five six seven eight yeah we've got nine all right so the nine that we have in common are in sort of reverse order from my own list uh, because it's that's how i circled them Uh, a quick one while he's away another tricky day love rain or me Behind Blue Eyes, Won't Get Fooled Again, Babbo O'Reilly, Pinball Wizard, See Me, Feel Me, slash We're Not Gonna Take It. I'm fine accepting either version of that. And uh, the other one is Who Are You? So we've got five slots to fill. Uh, six. Yes, six. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so are there any from your list that you want to make a particular plea for? I don't know. <laughs> it's all, you know, um, all stuff that. Well, I mean, is should, good. We, should we then start with what is our number one? We can. Okay. Um, Neither of the answers that you've given I've, to the two questions I've asked have been committal. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling very non committal right now. Okay. This is, you must validate my feelings. Um, so. I probably won't. No, that's fair um yeah i don't know i mean there's the problem is there's a good argument to be made for several songs being number one yeah you know um i mean i like to stand by the won't get fooled again personally but you know i i i see arguments for two or three other songs being there too yeah um your, yeah, your number one was Won't Get Fooled. My number one was Who Are You? Right. I mean, both on both of our lists. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a coin flip. Yeah. At that point, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. We flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're both, uh, they're both CSI. Um, <laughs> both CSI songs. Which, you know, to a certain degree kind of makes you want to not go that route. Sure. But... Uh, let's... Yeah, let's make it like Happy Jack then. Uh, no, <laughs> let's let's not do that. Yeah, uh, incorrect. Yeah, wrong uh, answer. Um, um, but that that is tough. Um, I mean, the original CSI was Who Are You. The other one was Won't Get Fooled. CSI Miami's Won't Get Fooled. Yeah, Won't Get Fooled might be slightly more iconic. Might be. I said if you want to meet in the middle, go to Bad Boy Island and meet in the middle of both of them. Well, that's a good point. 
I feel um, like that might might have been on some CSI. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What are they, like 15 CSIs now? Yeah, yeah. Like it's too many. Like yeah. CSI, your grandma's house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, was, so that, that got me. <laughs> that, that was a weird joke. I, was, I don't even know what that means. It doesn't um, matter. It's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, any of those songs could be number one, really. Yeah. It's hard to... So what is most iconic? That's the question. I mean, our two are Who Are You and Won't Get Fooled Again. Can't get much more iconic than that. And Babo Wright was the other one and that's ba- yeah, Babo's super, in there. super iconic. Where, where was Babo on your list? It was like number three. Mine was five. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but I think I said from number like seven onward, they could almost all be number one for me. Yeah. Uh we could Google most iconic who song. Yeah, we could. I'm doing That's that. true. I'm actually doing that. Okay. I'm going to check my Instagram. Okay. So, readers poll. The Who's 10 greatest songs. Very similar to our lists, but... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have... Rolling Stones the readers, readers poll. poll is Babo O'Reilly. Babo? Oh, that's with, interesting. Uh, Won't Get Fooled Again is number two. Okay. What was our number three? My Generation. Okay, well, that's not it. <laughs> like, the three that we have is Who Are You, uh, 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 Baba, and Won't Get Fooled. Right. So, what did we just learn? Nothing? Nothing. <laughs> okay. <much. laughs> I'm comfortable with any of those three See, being I number am too, one. So, it's like, you know. I'm whatever. also comfortable with, like, See Me Feel Me being number one. Uh, you know. <laughs> Let's just call it a quick one and be done with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Marianne with a shaky hand. That's number one. That was almost on the list. R- really? <laughs> I put more spider on my list. Don't judge me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Bev O'Reilly wasn't number one on either of our lists. It was not. Uh, the the number one on both of our lists was Who Are You and Won't Get Fooled Again. Right. I think those are the two that we need to zero in on. Okay. Uh, which is it? <laughs> Let's see. They both start with a W. True. <laughs> both start with... Uh, nope, I was going to say they both start with a W-O, but that's not true. <laughs> no, who are you comes first alphabetically. Yeah, that's 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 correct. So, you know. Uh, I don't know. Who uh, Won't Get Fooled Again might be slightly more iconic? Just because of the I, scream? Yeah, because of the scream and um, the length. And I think the um, keyboard track is a little bit, just a touch more recognizable. Not by a lot, but just a touch. And Pete had always looked at Who Are You as kind of a redo of Won't Go Folding In musically. That's why we're having trouble, because, yeah, he's often said that, that it was, that's why he wasn't a big fan of the Who Are You, the song. Huh. Because he'd always found it it a retread. Huh. Um, And I see his point, but it's also two completely... Why didn't I know that? But it's also two completely different songs. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, is 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 our number one won't get pulled again then? I'm and I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm fine I'm with fine it. with it too. Okay. So let's call our number one won't get pulled again. Okay. Uh, Dad right now is yelling at whatever device he's listening to this on that it should be seeing me feel me. Uh, hi, Dad. Sorry. Uh, so we've got six spots to fill from okay. the from the rest of our lists. Uh, look, I'm gonna. I'm going to make a big case for the real me. I'm going to make a big case for my generation in particular. 
I mean, those are two that immediately jump out at me as they really should be on the list. That's fine. Okay. I'm good at both of those. Okay, so that leaves us with uh, four spots to fill. Okay. Uh, which seems like a lot for how much we had in common. It uh, does. Um, I would say, uh, I think I can see for miles should be on there. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Okay, so I can see for miles is on there. Uh, that leaves us with three, three spaces. Yeah. Um, Problem is, a lot of my lists that we didn't agree on are oddball choices. Yeah. Because, like, the ones that are remaining on my list are Real Good Looking Boy, uh, You Better You Bet, uh, Tea and Theater. Uh, I think that's it, actually. Well, you got Can't Explain on there, too. Oh, can't explain. Yeah, you're right. Um, and that maybe should go. Yeah, there may be a point for can't explain. Let's put that on there. Okay. So it leaves us mm -hmm. with uh, two spaces. Two spaces. Um, okay. I, I feel like neither of those two spaces should be filled by anything on my list. <laughs> well, I've got, got All the Music Must Fade from the new one. I have Bargain. Bargain's good. I think I actually even said when we were talking about that I would argue for Bargain. Yeah, I've also got They're All in Love in 515. Oh, shit. Shit. Yeah. I mean, it's not They're All in Love. That's, you know, very... Yeah, the other one I had was All This Music Must Fade. But yeah. That's only if you really want to put right. a new one on there. I mean, Bargain in 515, I'm comfortable with both of those. Well, that's two spaces. Just put them on. Yeah, okay. I'll just call it that. Uh, before well, 515 for the Fab 15. Oh, that's good. I mean, you know. Oh, shit. Why the hell didn't we think of that to begin with? Yeah. Probably should have been number one. That's number that. one. <laughs> Fuck it. That's number one. Uh, <laughs> before we get into, before I read everybody out there and checking Ville, uh, the final list, are there any honorable mentions that you really want to uh, mention? Well, I didn't get my phone back out for that because that's where those aren't in my notebook. Those are in my phone. Okay. I'll, I, I'm, I'm going to rip through mine really, really fast. Okay, I'll tell you. If there's anything that's not on there, I'll let you know. Uh, the kids are all right. Got Substitute. It. Got it. Anyway, anyhow, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't uh, know that, but I get it. 515 was on mine, but that's mm -hmm. on yours. Uh, Slip Kid. Yep. Uh, Their Own Love was on mine. Uh, the Seeker. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't put that on there. Yeah. And uh, Love Ain't For Keeping. No, good one. I was just listening to that this morning. Yeah, that's oh, a great man, song. That's a great song. That's a great song. Yeah. Some honorable mentions I had. I have a lot of them just listed here, but... Oh, yeah, I... Uh, ones that I think I, are... I minimized mine. ...worth, that you didn't mention, that are worth uh, talking about. Uh, Punk Meets a Godfather. Yeah. My favorite song from Quadrophenia. Didn't make Didn't make song. my list. That's a great uh, song. That's just so good. Uh, I had I'm a boy on there, cause, <laughs> just because I thought of the... Uh, just because, again, beginning of the conceptual stuff yeah uh the song is over oh good song so sad about us i had on there i love that song i love playing that song as yeah. a guitar player uh let's see uh substitute we didn't mention yeah. substitute. Did we mention I, substitute i think i just said that in the honorable okay, mentions for sorry. me if i didn't i skipped it by accident um i had imagine a man on there oh drowned is another one. Oh, drowned is good yeah that should have been on there yeah imagine a man <laughs> is an excellent choice too um armenia city in the sky i always liked that one. Oh, interesting water naked eye yeah sure hits we didn't do join together yeah 
Let's see action. Jesus, yeah. Long live rock. Yeah. That on there. Uh, twice apparently because okay. Uh, Black Widow's eyes was one from the yeah from, from the endless wire wire yeah. glass wire and glass I put on there but I thought it was too much endless wire. Um, let's see the album. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant. Um, yeah, kids are alright. Um, I right, detour from the last record. Too. Yeah, that's a good record like or that one a, a good song too. Yeah, so you know, uh, but again. There's probably more that I forgot about you're drawing. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not even on here. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, Seeger. I, yeah, why didn't I think of Seeger? <laughs> yeah, listening back to this, we're both going to be furious. Uh, but the... Well, I might not listen to it. Then I won't, yeah, be, I then I, then I won't be furious. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to edit it, and I'm not even going to listen to it. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the 15 that, that we agreed on uh, is number one is Won't Get Fooled Again. That's our number one of the Fab 15. If you have to keep score, that's our number one. And after that, the rest of the 15 are The Real Me, in no particular order, by the way, are The Real Me, My Generation, I Can See for Miles, Can't Explain, Bargain, 515, Who Are You, See Me, Feel Me, Pinball Wizard, Babbo O'Reilly, Behind Blue Eyes, Love Rain or Me, Another Tricky Day, which is kind of an interesting choice, mm-hmm. and A Quick One While He's Away. Which is also an interesting choice. Yes. So that's uh, that's kind of the uh, list that we arrived at. That That's the 15, with the number one being Won't Get Fooled Again. Um, this was fun. This was a lot of fun for me. Uh, Dave, are there any particular Who memories you'd like to share before we uh, sign off here? Oh my gosh. Or just um, any thoughts? You know, I mean, who memories I could probably, if I started thinking about it, could rattle, you know, ramble on for hours. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've traveled. And we have. Yeah, we've traveled <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, we've traveled elsewhere yeah, to see we this went, band. We, we went, went to, to Chicago, Chicago mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of good friends that we were in a band with at the time. And, uh, I mean, you know. Seen them with our dad a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I mean, dad would, when I was a young child, would be playing the Tommy album. Yeah. Um you know, just while he was walking around the house or doing whatever. Yeah. And I remember, you know, listening to that just over and over and over uh, when I was a kid, which is kind of what started it all. I remember getting my first Who tape when yeah. I was a kid and buying that. Um, yeah, I so, bought some, some Who on tape when I was a little yeah, kid. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and just uh, being... I remember uh, when I had my apartment... Um, one of my apartments I lived in. I lived in an apartment and then a condo later. But sure. my apartment out in the, in uh, not the city, but anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, a friend of mine was coming over and uh, I told him, you know, the address and which one it was. And he wrote down the address, but not which apartment it was. He said, and I said, oh, well, you know, how'd you figure out which one it was? I said, well, I just walked around until I heard the who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I figured that was you. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, well, I remember when you were when you were living in that area, there was a presumably another condo block or, or apartment block that we referred to as the as the Quadrophenia House. Yeah, because it looked like yeah, yeah, it just mm-hmm. looked like the album art from that. Yeah, well, you know, but yeah, I mean, so many. I still drive by that occasionally yeah. with where I work now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of uh, yeah, just you know, a lot of concert memories and Pete being Pete and. Yeah, I mean, I've so many and, Pete Townsend specific memories that. Yeah, um, and Roger just trying to continue on. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and 
Yeah, I just the Who's just been part of my life since ever since I can remember. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and then you know, having a family and forcing them to listen to it whether they liked it or not. So yeah, <laughs> do that a lot. Um, that's yeah. So I mean, I don't know if I have anything else to add. It's just it's too big. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem, is there's too much to say and not enough time to say it, no matter how much time you take. Uh, the Who is just so important in both of our lives, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to speak for me. Uh, the Who is so important in my life. I, I, uh, I've said to people when they say, oh, you like The Who? I've said, no, I don't like The Who. I love The Who the way some people love Jesus. Right, and that's just remained a constant in my life. Um, your quote that I've said during the duration of this: "You can live your entire life by things that Pete Townsend has said." That's, in some ways, been the foundation of how I live my life. Uh, <laughs> you got to pick the right things, though, because some things you totally should not pick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I love the Who more than I love most other things and uh they're just so important and so foundational to me and uh i mean i i, I to both of us obviously yeah. like it's it's one of those things that oh the who's coming to st louis whatever else i've got going on that night doesn't matter i'm gonna go see the who yeah you know we've both seen them every opportunity that we've had since uh in st louis since they've come here and even elsewhere uh, we've traveled for them. We both, you know, we're we're both very very committed to this band. Uh, it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's a religion, but it's pretty damn close, you know. <laughs> it's it, uh, as far as level of commitment. Uh, just one of those bands that has continued to mean the world to both of us, that we're both very very committed to, and that we both love very very much. Despite whatever comes up, uh, the the long story short, the who has meant the world to both of us has get has gotten us both through a whole lot of shit, man. That I mean, the who has gotten both of us through through things that even the two of us don't know about for each other, and uh, uh, they're just one of those bands that keeps. Speaking to my heart, keep speaking to Dave's heart. They're, I mean, I've said and it before. Brain. Huh? And brain. And brain. Yeah, and that's an important uh, designation. Designation? Uh, Addition. Yeah, okay, sure. Whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, I've, I've said it during the course of this a couple of times. I'm going to say it again. They're the only band that ever mattered as far as I'm concerned, in my heart, and in my heart of hearts, which, of course, is the smaller heart that is inside of my larger heart. Right. Uh, I love the Who the way some people love Jesus. Or the way some people love their kids, if you're not quite comfortable saying that. I've uh, really enjoyed talking about this over the past couple of hours that I hope will get edited down to about an hour and a half. And, uh, Dave, is there anything else you want to say that hasn't been said yet? I don't think so. Other than, uh, you know, we keep saying the only men that ever mattered, which Irish Jack, yeah. uh, their number one and most important fan, 
um, had said, and uh, the Clash stole yeah. from him as their the only band that matters thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe for a year or so they could claim that. But, sure. Um, it's the Who. Yeah. Uh, you know, people ask, oh, Beatles or Stones? I'm like, trick question, the Who. Yeah. Um, that's, that's always my answer. Mm. So, yeah, um, you know, if you're a Who fan and you're tracking with us and you're vibing with us, then, you know, you get it. If you are only a casual fan, do the deep dive, man. Do the deep dive into yeah. stuff that you're familiar with because a lot yeah. of it gets weird. Yeah. And a lot of it's not great. Sure. But even bad Who... And there's some bad who. I will be the yeah. first to admit. There's some bad stuff out there. Absolutely. But even bad who is more interesting than good pretty much anybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, it might not, you know, sometimes there are things that it's hard to listen to. It's like, ooh. And that, not because they're offensive or because they're, you know, we're okay at one time and aren't now. And there's a few things like that. But some things are just hard to listen to because they're just hard to make it through. Yeah. They're not good. But... The ideas behind it and the way that it's played and the way it's presented is really interesting. And once you start figuring that out, you'll love that stuff too. Yeah. The, do the deep dive. Get into it. You know, do who's next. Do Quadrophenia. Do Tommy. Get that India. And then once you're there with those, everything else makes sense. And who sell out even is a good is a good one to go into. Yeah, um, You know, for their older stuff. So... Yeah, do the deep dive if you haven't. Uh, if you have, then, you know, you're one of us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I guess uh, over the larger thing, thanks for uh, putting up with all this stuff. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, let's try not to make it so long between episodes again. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. If you have something that you would like to do for the Fab 15 on the next episode, please let me know. Uh, that goes to both... Uh, checkmates and Dave alike. Yeah, if anybody like hits an idea and emails you and it sounds like something we could run with. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, why not? Well, I'm, I'm open for that. Absolutely. Uh, even if it's something we don't know that much about, we'll figure it out. Uh, maybe that seems like a lie that I just told, but we'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give it our best shot. Well, maybe it'll spark something that we do know something about. There you go. That's right. maybe the best thing to say. Uh, checkmates, thank you so much for uh, hanging in there for this episode and for listening to this. Uh, for Who fans, I think you probably had a lot of fun. For those of you who are not Who fans, maybe it gave you some good suggestions. The uh, Fab 15 that we landed on in the end is uh, our number one is Won't Get Fooled Again. And then in no particular order, The Real Me, My Generation, 515, I Can See for Miles, I Can't Explain, Bargain, who Are You, See Me, Feel Me, Penball Wizard, Babbo O'Reilly, Behind Blue Eyes, Love Rain or Me, Another Tricky Day, and a quick one, that's a pretty good damn playlist. And I hope you all enjoy it. Until we meet back together again, I just want to say the stuff that I always say that I... Uh, as usual, when I have a guest, I want to say that I'm speaking only for myself, but I think Dave would countersign on a lot of this. Uh, COVID-19 is still out there. Please continue to be careful. I know we're not talking about it that much these days, but we really could. Uh, so please continue to take caution where you, uh, feel that you should. Uh, other than that, please remember that Black Lives Matter, that LGBTQIA rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights. And folks, checkmates, be good to each other, 
be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Just assume I did the Dalter scream from Won't Get Fooled Again.